You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives for The Mandalorian Season 3, Chapter 17, The Apostate. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and joining me on this episode and probably like the, the first half of, of, the, of Season 3 of Mando, we've got the illustrious Joe Hogan. Mike, did we get some Star Wars today? Oh, did we get some Star Wars? I there was maybe a little bit of Star Wars. Oh, okay, there was maybe a little bit of Star. Wars. I should Wars. probably check that stuff out. Yeah, I think you know what? I think this Star Wars thing. I think it's going to be a big deal. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I think I think people might like it. Um, man, dude, Mando's back. Bad Batch is firing on all cylinders. I we here's hey full disclosure everybody. Uh, so there were a few plans for this. The first plan was let's record immediately after it airs at like, <laughs> you know, like three o'clock in the morning for you and one o'clock in the morning for me, or I guess like four o'clock for you. Yeah. Four and for one me, o'clock yeah. for me. Um, That's, that's not going to work. I have, I have work early on Wednesday mornings and that's, so that's a, that's a bad idea. I could do it, but it would just be a bad idea. I don't know that I can sustain it for eight weeks. Um, so we're like, okay, let's not do that. Let's record on Thursdays. Okay, cool. We'll record on Thursdays. So it's Wednesday and we just finished recording rebel cells with Kyle. I, uh, a great episode of rebel cells talking about bad batch metamorphosis and everything going on there. I won't say any spoilers in case people are not caught up on bad batch, but go watch that episode of bad batch. Cause it's fantastic. Huge payoff from a clone wars episode from season two. I uh, and uh, yeah, uh, fantastic. I love and, it. And avoid the banners in uh, yeah, Disney apparently. Plus. Apparently, um, but uh, but yeah. So we, you and I were like like we we wrapped that one up actually. Like we started more or less on time, uh, and then I uh, got through it in an hour in in a nice tight hour. We covered everything we wanted to, but it was a nice tight hour, and uh, and it was like. Should we just go ahead and record now? And so that's what we're doing. So we've literally just recorded a podcast and now we're going to record this one because that's how good Bad Batch and Mando were this week that it's like, let's just keep talking about Star Wars. Let's just keep going. Um, What a great season premiere. Um, The Internet is a dumb place full of (laughs) uh, stupid things that happen. And even the best of us, I uh, say say things that are frustrating and and uh, ill advised and and you know I'm gonna go ahead and say just kind of dumb from time to time. Um, there's like a sentiment going into season three of Mando, and I think you guys know like like I I was I was like ready to quit Star Wars podcasting after Book of Boba Fett last year because. Um, the discourse 
just got so exhausting that it was like it was not fun to talk about Star Wars on a podcast or on Twitter or any of that. It was just exhausting. And I see a bunch of people, a lot of the same people that that I found a little bit frustrating last year, uh, doing the same thing again already before this episode even aired. Right. No oh boy. And and um, look, John Favreau is out there doing the rounds, doing PR, and John Favreau says stuff in interviews without really understanding the ramifications of of the words <laughs> that are coming out of his mouth. He made a comment um, in an interview. This was last week's discourse of like, we don't have a series finale planned. Um. I take that to mean that they are going to do this show as long as they feel like doing it. They don't, they don't intend, like they don't have like an end point for the show in mind. Now he also said in this, I think it's in the same interview that, he, or maybe it was in a previous interview. There's been a lot over the last couple of weeks that he's already written season four. They're like prepping for pre-production basically. Like they're getting ready to, to start shooting season four not ready to start shooting it, but like, like they're cause because the, because of the, the volume, the, the pre-production becomes the heavy phase and the and post is, is a lot simpler as opposed to like something like Andor where it's a lot of blue screen and it's a lot of like traditional um, effects and that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of that gets dealt with in post. Um, so they're like, they're gearing up to, to start that pre-pro uh, to go into season four of Mando to get ready for that. Um, and so he's already written everything because you have to. You have to know what you're doing in order to, to get all that stuff ready, um, which most TV shows actually write as they're still writing as they're filming episodes. Like like traditionally in a in a 22 to 24 episode season of television, um, they'll be writing as they go. Uh, but but streaming shows have kind of changed that model. Certainly the, the Disney plus stuff has really changed that model a lot where it's like, you can write the whole series and then, and then start shooting, treat it a little bit more like a movie. But in any case, he's already got season four done. Uh, Ahsoka is coming out later this year. Uh, Skeleton crew is coming out later this year, which like they've made a really big point of, of making sure that people know that skeleton crew ties into all of this. Um, and I, I, we know that it's all driving towards a big event where all of these storylines are going to come together. Right. And Rangers of the new Republic was going to be a part of that as well, but it obviously isn't now. Um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a great I had the same away. thought earlier today. Well, yeah. last night, I guess. Um, but I, I, we know that we're driving towards a major event. Right. I, so it's like, I think that there's no there's no series finale in mind in the same way that there's no like there's no there's no end to the MCU, right? There are phases. And I think that I take this to mean that like Dave and John and I think at this point now uh Rick Famuyiwa uh and 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 maybe maybe a couple of the other sort of key players they they know John Watts would be one of them, right? Like they know where they're, what they're driving towards right now. And that's all they're focused on is just like, Hey, we got to get all the pieces in play and, and push everybody towards the, like their infinity war end game. Right. Um, and, and so I think like, that's, that's what's, 
that's what we we have in store. So there is a direction. I just think that it's not like like if you ask John Favreau, like, do you is this a five season show that he's like, I don't know. This is an infinite season show. Like we're going to tell stories with Mando and Grogu as long as you guys will let us basically. And then Pedro Pascal sort of supported that in an interview a couple days ago going, I, somebody asked him how long he wants to play Mando for. And he's like, uh, forever. <laughs> like, like he sort of said it like kind of incredulous of like, um, why wouldn't I just do this in perpetuity? Like, why wouldn't I play this character for the rest of my life? Um, and it's like, yeah, why, I mean, why wouldn't you? I I mean, for him especially, uh, he splits the role with two other guys like who finally, <laughs> finally in this episode get credited uh, in, in the as like as main leads, um, uh, which is nice that because uh, it's like because Mando is a character in three parts like it's it's Pedro Pascal. Uh, let me see. I have IMDb open, so this shouldn't take me long. Hold up. Uh, 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 Oh, maybe I maybe it will. No, there we go. The apostate. Um, because it's the the guys who do like the stunts. I uh, they're in that they're in the suit often more than I, uh, than, even I uh, uh, Pedro is right. Mm. Um. Oh man. Oh, they've got them credited, as, because I think Brendan Wayne is one of them, right? Uh, I I honestly don't know their names, which is probably proving your point (laughs) well exactly right so i i oh interesting i'm i'm looking at at imdb for the first time here and uh we got we have two actors playing gory and shard who's the the pirate uh leader from the end uh but Corey jones uh carrie jones sorry uh i'm guessing is the physical because uh because he's also black chrysanthemum so um oh cool i didn't know that yeah yeah i yeah that's interesting uh cool um but then there's another actor also credited with uh with with gorian shard that nonzo and nosy uh oh yeah i know this guy i can't i can't think of stuff that he's been in but i know that i know his face um but anyways i yeah, I, I, I think I think maybe uh, we'll see we'll see if these guys continue to get um, to get credited uh, in, in future episodes, because it seems like they're credited here because they were also additional Mandalorians in the in the opening scene. But um, okay. but in any case, I mean, like like my point being that that Pedro is uh, splitting that role with with two other guys <laughs> so he doesn't have to do everything he just kind of just shows up uh to do a lot of the voice work and to do uh like the scenes with no helmet um which like yeah what a, what a perfect gig you get you get all of the all the credit and uh don't have to do any of the tumbles i mean that's how it is for most actors with most action stuff but um i also think that he just loves these stories i think he just has fun with it so um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that the intent is that they're just going to keep telling Mandalorian stories. Maybe it'll go 10 seasons. Who knows? Um, maybe it'll turn into something else. Maybe these characters will go to another show or whatever. Like who cares? Like, just let them like, just let them keep having fun with it. You know, um, the second it, piece of controversy, it, sorry, go ahead. It, no, I was just going to say, like, I find it weird that people want to put the show 
in a box that like mm-hmm. this is kind of the first time we've had a show that isn't set like oh well this is the show that takes place between episode two and episode three. Oh, this is the show that takes place between the prequels and the original show. Like Rebels was oh okay. Let's set that yeah. stuff up. Oh, Clone Wars, okay, it's at that area. Like we finally have this big thirty year gap and you're upset that it's not gonna end like I don't know, five, six years in like let it do its yeah. thing, man. Star yeah. Wars itself. I know I know we do a lot of dividing of Star Wars in terms of like in, in in terms of like these eras, like prequel eras, sequel truly. Like I get it. I get that it's just like kind of the way this stuff goes, the way it's categorized, I guess. But like it's just weird. Like it's what's is it really that hard to like do I don't know, man. When when George R. R. Martin, I know he's probably a bad bad example, but like when George R. R. Martin sat down to write the first Game of Thrones book, do you really think he knew exactly how it was going to end? He probably still doesn't yeah. know how it's going to end, which is not a yeah. great thing. But like, <laughs> point is, like, you know, when when you're first starting out a, a show, like you don't have to know the exact endpoint of the show to be good. Like, it's sometimes it really is the journey. It's good to have a plan. But like and plan ahead, of course, but like, I don't know, man, I just I think it's super weird that people are taking this yeah. to be this like weird anomaly that like, oh, well, that means it's going to suck when it ends. Like, yeah, I think about I think it's more important to have something to say than it is to have a plot, you know, planned out. Right. Sure. So I think I think a lot of this this part of the discourse comes from the sequel trilogy and yeah. the nature of how yeah. that went down. Um, and so there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it should be planned out. Well, the original trilogy wasn't planned out. The prequel trilogy was planned, planned out to a degree, but like George Lucas didn't sit down and write The Phantom Menace and know that in, you know, two more movies that General Grievous was going to be the bad guy that Obi-Wan was right, fighting. Exactly. That was something that he figured out when he sat down to write. He was like, okay, well we dealt with Darth Maul. We did Dooku. Should it, should Dooku be the bad guy throughout it? And he came up with the idea of like, Oh, I've split Vader. I can split Vader into three parts, right? You've got the monster, which is Darth Maul. You've got the man, which is Dooku. And you've got the machine, which is, grievous right and it's like you put those three things like like palpatine palpatine didn't start with vader he like he tried all these different things and vader is actually like the culmination of his life's work he's like oh you've got everything you're as powerful as as and and as dangerous as darth maul you're as smart and conniving as dooku and you're as like relentless and and i i you know, uh, indentured as grievous, right? Like you, you rely on me to survive, right? Like he, like all of that stuff. And you, you're immortal. Cause I'll just keep replacing your parts. I'll just, you know, you get smashed. I'll build you again. Um, like, like he figured that out as he was going, that wasn't like the plan from the beginning, but it's also genius. Right. And it's all like, like, you know, <laughs> Luke and Leia, they kiss in the first two movies. Everybody talks about Empire, but like she kisses them in in uh, in A New Hope as well. And I mean, like that one's yeah. a very platonic one. But but I, you know, like like he didn't know he didn't know what he was doing from the outset. He split the character into two because originally Luke was a girl, and he split the character into the twins, 
without really thinking about it, just going like, Oh, we need to, I want this character to be the hero. And I want, I don't, but I don't want that to be a woman. I mean, it was probably other people giving him notes if I had to guess, cause it was the seventies. They were like, no one's going to buy this. You got to make it a boy. I, uh, and then, and so then when he gets around to return of the Jedi, he's like, actually, I think even in empire, he was a little bit like, I think I know where I'm going with this, but, but left it vague. But in Jedi, it's like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. They're twins. They came from the same character. They split from the same character. Right. Like like it doesn't you don't have to have a plan as long as you know what you're trying to say, what the point of your story is. And I think that's where the original trilogy absolutely succeeds, because I, you know, he's got a message in the first one that's very like anti-establishment, these rebels and that sort of thing. And uh, and the, the the evil machine of the empire and and uh and then the mysticism of it with the force. Right. And then empire kind of carries that, that through is the connective tissue, but then return of the Jedi is the, like the ragtag band taking down the machine. Right. And that's where the Ewoks come from. And that's why like that stuff, anybody who's got a problem with the Ewoks is like, well, then you're just not paying attention to what the movies are about. They're the whole point. Like, like honestly, the Ewoks are the core of return of the Jedi. And therefore they're actually the core of the entire star Wars trilogy, like the, the classic trilogy, because that's what it's all about. That like these teddy bears can take down the empire and help destroy a death star <laughs> because it's about what you fight for, not what you fight with. Right. All that sort of thing. Um, and then the prequels have a very clear message. They have a very clear political message. That's like anti, I, I like Reagan Bush government, right? Like very, very overt. He's even said as much. And then the tragic romance. So it's like for all of the faults of the prequels, they're clear. The intent is clear in all of them, whether it executes in the direction and the performance, we can have conversations about that. But um, it's it's three things it's that political thing it's the romance thing and it's the technology part of it of like pushing the filmmaking as far as you can and i i that's what makes the prequels the sequel trilogy jj kind of had an idea but it but the force awakens is a lot of cool stuff and then a story to service the cool stuff happening Mm. uh and then Ryan comes in with the last Jedi and is like, I've got something to say, but to just to be fair and balanced with this, he gets a little bit hyper-focused in on Ray and Kylo and the other characters. I wouldn't say the other characters suffer for it. Cause I think that Poe's storyline is also really, really strong and he has a really great message there um, on toxic masculinity and, uh, and, and, uh, embracing the feminine and 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 all that sort of thing a, a, a man on a heroine's journey which i think is a fantastic thing to do in a star war but i understand why a lot of boys get real real upset when the women are telling poe dameron what to do because he's supposed to be a hero um they get all mad about him bent out of shape but that's actually the point uh and but then finn and rose like i i i get where people feel like that that one's a little bit of a letdown i personally like that story but but I understand why it doesn't click for everybody. Um, but then Rise of Skywalker just has like no purpose whatsoever other than <laughs> to finish the saga, which like nobody asked. 
No, so it's I think that like in light of Rise of Skywalker being what it is, people saying like, does Mando have an ending planned? I understand why they're doing that because they want to know that we're not going to end up with another Rise of Skywalker. I think that there's a little bit of like, a, uh, oh, you guys are going to do this to us again. But all, like, I would look at it from the other perspective of like defining the Rise of Skywalker as the end of the forty at that point what 42 year saga uh what a what a stupid and trivial thing to do what a what a ridiculous way to hamper that story and instead of telling a satisfying conclusion to the story that you started with ray kylo ren finn and poe dameron in the first movie instead you're you're just focused on well how are we gonna solve this palpatine luke skywalker situation right and so it's like, okay, so she's Ray Skywalker now, right? And Palpatine gets Kamehameha into oblivion. <laughs> so like that's that was that was the solution. I mean, like, listen, they 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 brought in the wrong writer, and that's the whole crux of why that movie is so terrible. But um but yeah, like people I think are just like worried about that now, and so they're looking at Mando and going, like, don't do it to us again. And I think season two was rocky for some people because it was just like cameo fest and because it was introducing it was. all of these other characters in order to build out this time period and this universe. So like, let's bring back Boba. Let's bring back Ahsoka knowing that they're going to get their own shows, right? Like supposed to be a whole thing. Um, it was a transition season, right? Mm. I, but yeah, like everybody, I don't we're talking for like 10 minutes about this. I, I <laughs> like it just, I don't I think everybody just needs to like chill out a little bit. The, my, this is my big thing. This is my big takeaway from like this first part of it. And then we're talking about the next thing. Cause I think there's some actual interesting stuff to talk about in the next thing, not just the controversy, but like the actual, what was said. Um, my takeaway from this thing that I need everybody to uh, hear me out on is like, can we wait until the season is done before we say that the season is trash? <laughs> like, which is like, I hate that I no, have to say that. We can't, we can't, wait. but it's just like, it's like everybody has predetermined that Mando is bad, even though we all love it. Apparently we also all think that it's very bad and that it's full of bad things and that they shouldn't be doing it the way that they're doing it. And you guys know how I feel. If you've listened to any of the Star Wars podcasts that I've been on since Andor came out, my greatest fear is that everything now moving forward is going to be Andor, Andor, Andor. That's not what I want. And when we get into the actual episode itself, I will tell you exactly why Mando is what I want and Andor is actually what I want less of. Um, like, I want Andor to be Andor. I have no problem with it. I actually love the show. I think it's fantastic. But... I just don't want all Star Wars to become Blade Runner with Star Wars locations, right? Like, because that's all that is. Like, you could, and or you could absolutely remove names and locations and tell me that it's a Blade Runner series, and I would believe you, right? Like, it, it doesn't need to be Star Wars in order to tell that story. It just happens to be Star Wars. Um, and, like, it's, like, like, we'll get into it but but people just like why can't this show be like andor because it's not andor 
because Andor is a specific thing and Tony Gilroy is a specific type of filmmaker and he's going to do things the way he's going to do them and it's going to be that. And Deborah Chow is going to make Obi-Wan the way that she's going to make Obi-Wan and I think that Obi-Wan is fantastic. I think Obi-Wan is absolutely a perfect sequel to the prequel trilogy. Um, whereas Andor is a perfect prequel to Rogue One. Like... Like, just like, let these, let everything be what it's going to be. Let them have their own identities and let Mando be the ridiculous 1966 Batman version of a Star Wars story. Cause that's mm. what it is, right? It's, it's Star Trek, the original series, but Star Wars, right? Like, like that it, and people just like, they can't seem to understand that if you allow it to be what it is then yeah it's 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 not perfect right which like i also think andor is not perfect i think it's a it's expertly made i think it's a masterpiece but it's not perfect star wars right it's not fun there's very little fun in andor it's super depressing it gave me anxiety every week um like like it was it was actually rough to get through. No different than The Last of Us is right now. And I love that show too. And I love The Last of Us video games, but I'm never playing The Last of Us 2 again because I can't put myself through that mental anguish. Um, I love it so much, but but it's just, I shouldn't say again. I would never say never, but, but it's like, I have no like draw to go back and replay that game. Like I do say, I don't know, like Spider-Man on the PS4 for ps5 that i've played through like five times right uh because that game's super fun and it makes me happy to play it but like you know like like there there are some pieces of media that you know like they're important and they're great but i don't want everything to be that i don't want game of thrones star wars and i don't want war movie star wars where everybody just gets blown to smithereens every five seconds right like uber like super violence and all of that sort of thing like star wars is supposed to have weird aliens and locations and creatures and spaceships and every once in a while throw in a guy with a laser sword that can move rocks with his mind right like like that's what a star war is and I, 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 for me, Mando is like the perfect balance of all of that stuff. Um, and, and so it like Mando and Book of Boba Fett really work for me. I think Ahsoka is probably going to be the same because it's, it's within the same part of the universe. And, and I think Skeleton Crew as well. Right. But I, I, yeah, I just, I just want people to like accept Mando for what it is and stop trying to make it something that it's not. And I think that if everybody can do that, that they'll be a lot happier and we'll get less of the like, oh, my God, this dialogue. And it's like, yeah, it's it's all it's been that way since the beginning. And also, like, like, let's not act like the dialogue in A New Hope is like, oh, my God, this is the best masterpiece. Well, it's like, no, it's there's a lot of gobbledygook nonsense. And, you know, like. Princess Leia has like three accents in that movie. You guys like, like, like let's, if we're going to be that judgmental, like let's be that judgmental across the board and just suck the fun out of all of this. Or we could love this for being dumb star Wars. Just like we love that for being dumb star Wars. They get dropped into a trash compactor on a battle station that can blow up a planet. And for some reason there's a weird tentacle monster in it. 
Why? I don't know. Ask Pablo. I'm sure he's got a thing about like in this one book in 1987, somebody was like, it eats all of the organic waste so that they don't have to worry about that. Right. So that's why the Dianoga is in there or somebody flushed it down a toilet. Who knows? Who cares? It's really cool when they're in there and they're like, I think something's in here with those guys. And then it tries to eat Luke, right? Like it's fun. It's an adventure. Let it be a fun adventure with stupid stuff like a tentacle monster in the trash compactor. Anyways, just yeah. love, love star Wars for what it is. Stop trying to make it something else. You know, I don't know. People suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we can't be critical. I like, like, I think that both of us are going to have some stuff to say about this episode. That's a little yes. bit like, yeah, okay. There's some weird choices. And most, but most this... of my criticisms are for the opening scene. So I'm sure I will sound very negative, but like, Oh really? Never, okay. Man. Oh, that's interesting. Cause, cause I love the opening. Um, let's, it, uh, b- but... before we get into the episode okay. proper, okay. let's quickly talk about the two year thing. So, okay. So the other thing that John Favreau said in an interview, uh, uh, actually during the roundtable interviews, um, and we'll give credit to Sky Talkers, a great podcast about Star Wars, because uh, it was it was I think it was their question that that brought it up for it. So it's it's their video got sourced. In any case, um, it was during these roundtable interviews, and there was sort of a question about I think maybe it was about timeline or something like that. But in any case, uh, John Favreau starts going into it, and he's like, "Well, so." Oh, it was about like it was about Grogu being a bridge between the Mandalorians and the Jedi who were like famously on opposite sides of the battle. But then here's this character who embodies both elements, right? He's both a Jedi and a Mandalorian foundling, right? So um, is that the is that his purpose? Is that the path forward is that, you know, he's going to unite these two? these two um, cultures, which is like, that's my personal, like, that's what I want to see. Right. Like I want to see that culminate in like stuff later on down the road with like Ray and her Jedi order coming together with like Grogu and his Mandalorian or, and it's like, Oh cool. Like, like these things are all one thing. Cause the Mandalorians and the Jedi are actually super similar. Um, we, I think we talked about that uh, a lot um, when we were talking about season two and even a little bit during book of Boba Fett. Um, but so, uh, I, in answering that question, John went into a thing of like, well, so yeah, he spent, you know, there's a couple, it's, it's, it's like a, a good chunk of time. It's like a year or two with the Mandalorian with Din. Right. And then he goes off and trains with Luke and, you know, like for about two years and, and now he's back with with the Mandalorian and, and we'll see like how that plays out sort of thing. I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but that's essentially what he said. Some people have interpreted that as like, it's been two years since the end of season two of the Mandalorian until now. But then he actually was asked on the red carpet premiere yesterday. um, What did you mean? And he was like, yeah, it's been like a year or two. Like he's, but the way that he responded, everybody got all up in arms. Like it's been two years. And I was like, I was also like, like my, my feeling on it was like, John, stop saying stuff like this. Like you're just, cause he's just throwing gasoline on a fire, right? Like it's just, you're, you're giving everybody all of these reasons to be skeptical about this season and about the storytelling, because there's a lot of people who don't like that Grogu 
wasn't really away from din for that long and that their reunion was in a different show and it's like i don't listen are you not watching book of boba fett which like apparently a lot of people have not watched book of boba fett which is like that's on them that's on them they didn't pay attention when season two of mando ended with boba fett will return in the book of boba fett and it was like a post-credit scene which we don't do post-credit scenes in star wars but we did one at the end of mando season two and it was like boba fett's gonna be the book of boba fett and he's gonna he's gonna be booking it all over the place on tatooine and he killed bib fortuna so you better tune in guys clearly it's important uh but nobody paid attention to that apparently and now everybody's Mm -hmm. mad about it and i i and so how could how could Grogu have been with Luke for two years? Grogu being with Luke for two years, no problem. I don't care. If that's the time jump, that's cool. I would have liked them to have aged him up when we got back to him. That would have been a really clear indicator of like, oh, okay. Like, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years. He's got a little mohawk or something, right? Like, that's whenever I see the fan art, everybody always gives him a little mohawk, which I, I think is like in reference to an Ian McKaig drawing of Yoda that turned into Yaddle, but um, uh, from episode one, from the, from the art of star Wars episode one, but I, I, that's often the case. And it's like, I want to, I, I want us to get to teen Grogu. Like I want that. I want to get there faster (laughs) than we are um, because I want to see him wearing like his little Mandalorian armor with a robe and have a lightsaber. Right. His little, his little tar, uh, not, is it Tarvisla? Yeah. Tarvisla is the one who built the dark saber, right? Yes. Um, Yeah. Um, yeah, a little green Tarvisla. I, uh, but I, I, but in any case, like we didn't, you know, that's fine. Din wandering the galaxy, trying to find the armorer for two years. I also totally buy. He doesn't have a ship. He had to walk and take the bus everywhere. And he's like trying to track down the covert, which is like, like, like they're called the covert. Like they, that's, they're hiding you guys. It took him two years to find the armor or roughly, right? Because we don't really know what the, you know, like, like it's Star Wars. Time is meaningless. Sometimes you'll read a story and they're like, yeah, I, in A New Hope, it took like three weeks to get to the, to get to Alderaan from Tatooine. And then in other ones, you're like, no, it's like the time it took on screen. Right. And it's like, it does it matter. Does it? So, well, but then Luke had longer to train with Obi-Wan and then it makes more sense. It's like, stop worrying about these Jedi training. It is not that big of a deal. It's fine. Well, and Luke was on Dagobah for several months during, over the course of, of Empire because, because it, because Han and everybody on the Falcon had to use sublight to get to Bespin. And it's like, fine whatever guys if that helps you sleep at night it, like i don't think that it ruins the story either way so time is really quite meaningless the only place where two years doesn't make a lot of sense for me is that like we end mando season two presumably like boba circles back around after luke leaves coincidentally just missing each other by a couple of minutes on both sides right i uh, because we can't have those two characters recognize right. each other and be like wait a second <laughs> um he picks up Fennec and then he's like, cool, got my armor, got my ship, cleared my life debt with Din. Uh, let's go kill Bib Fortuna and and take Jabba's palace, right? Like, because that's like the next thing they're going to do. I, I was saying to Crystal, I'm like, maybe they stopped for a space burger. Maybe they went to a spa for the week because they were like, it's been rough, you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe they did like cruise around for a month. They had to go find a Bacta tank so that 
you know, Boba was not quite so in such rough shape. Um, I, uh, although that wasn't really indicated in Mandalorian and it was really something that only came up in Book of Boba Fett, but that's fine. It's a bit of a retcon. Who cares? Um, in any case, like I have a hard time believing that everything that happens in the course of Book of Boba Fett between the end of season two of Mando and when Din shows up right on Tatooine uh, and Fennec is like, hey, you got to come help Boba. And he's like, I'm going to go do one thing first and then I'll be right back. I that's how it happens, right? She shows up at the end of the Naboo Starfighter episode to give him the offer. Right. Um, yeah. 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 So it's like, so we're talking about the first three episodes, which don't take place very much in the present day because they're mostly the flashbacks. Um, and then one episode or is it one or two episodes before we've got like the black chrysanthemum episode, I guess. Yeah. Cause the rancor is introduced at the end of the, it's been a while since I watched book of Boba Fett. Right. But we got like the episode that kind of focuses on black chrysanthemum a little bit. And, and then I think maybe there's one more and then Din comes in, but in any case, like there's just not, there's not a lot of story there unless you're telling me that like Boba was going into that back to tank for like days or weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, like that, that was the situation, which is possible. I mean, like if you want to retcon it and tell me that, then I'm like, okay. It's just like, there's not a lot of story. There's not two years worth of story in the first four or five episodes of book of Boba Fett. Right. Um, so that's where it doesn't make any sense for me, but, but also I, you know, it also is completely irrelevant to the story. It's like, it actually doesn't matter. Like, I think like, and that was what I tweeted was like, like the good thing about the show, not making it clear that two years has passed between in the time that Din and Grogu have seen each other is that it will continue to not be clear as the story goes on. Like it's not going right. to, the fact yeah. that it wasn't clear before isn't going to affect the story moving forward because it's not clear because it's not important to the story at this point. Right. If it becomes important, they'll talk about it. But, um, but yeah, I think like every, everybody, everybody needs to settle down uh, Dude, and just I... like, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I've been ranting. So you go ahead and talk. It's, it's just like, it's exhausting. Like I, we've said this before, mm-hmm. like the best and the worst part of Star Wars sometimes is just the fandom. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love, I, I love being into Star Wars when Star Wars is good. I don't lose any sleep when I don't enjoy Star Wars. Yeah. Because the next thing is going to come along and maybe the next one will be for me. Okay, whatever. This isn't like the prequels where, okay, we just saw episode two. I didn't really like it. Now I got to wait three years for the next like real Star Wars thing. Like, oh, there'll be some cool video games. I'm sure there'll be some fun comics and everything. But the next actual George level Star Wars really really truly expanding the mythos is three years away that sucks it's not like that anymore and like man i i don't know i don't know it's just it's exhausting and it's been like this since i mean i've been aware that it's been like this since the prequels right like you had all the people who were the ot purists and the and everybody hated the prequels but now a lot of that stopped because the kids who grew up with the prequels now love the prequels because to them, they were, those were their movies. Right. So like that was their star Wars. So now they're adults and we're the ones that are complete. Well, you're, you're not so much, but 
we are the ones complaining about the sequel trilogy and like even though i have a lot of issues with the, i don't know i don't i don't get why people get so like almost it almost feels like they i don't know maybe i'm projecting or whatever and i'm just frustrated with with the whole situation but it, it's almost like when they don't like Star Wars, people view it as like an attack on their identity because of how important Star Wars is to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. I've talked about that a lot. And I actually tweeted something this morning that um, that is along these lines. Right. So I, I tweeted out like let like like, star- hey, just a reminder that Star Wars is dumb. Right. Like <laughs> like one of the guys hangs out with a big talking dog that doesn't talk English. That's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> I love it, but it's dumb, right? I and and you know, like a b- big 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 round space station blow up planet. Guys. Big laser blow up planet, guys. Okay. How That's do we up. stop it? <laughs> little little torpedo blow up big laser. Okay. How do, how does that work? Use the force. What's the force? <laughs> Magic. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Like, like when you break it down, Star Wars dumb. Star Wars very dumb sometimes. Uh, but it's also like that's the charm, right? And so when I make that analogy of Mando being 1966 Batman, that is not a dig, right? When I say it's 1966 Batman or Star Trek, the original series, look, I love the original series. I love next gen. I love, uh, uh, discovery. I love strange new worlds. I mean, strange new worlds might be my favorite, but like, because it's got all, it's got everything that the original series had. It's got all the charm and the wonder of that with all of the technology that we have nowadays to tell those types of stories. And it's the perfect melding of the two. And I should do a podcast about strange new worlds, but when, when do I have the time? But I love that show so much. So maybe I just leave it and it'll just be pure and I can just enjoy it. But anyways, like, like when I use that analogy, what I'm saying is that like, it's Batman 1966 is fully aware of how stupid the concept is of a man mm. who dresses up like a bat to punch clowns in the face. You know what I mean? Like, like, like Batman is dumb. You guys, Batman is dumb. The Batman <laughs> Go listen to Carl LeClaire from the Wampus Lair. He's got a new podcast, The Bat and the Cat. He's breaking it down 20 minutes at a time. And there's enough in that movie to do 20-minute segments of The Batman and to talk about it for an hour. And that's exactly what Carl and Amy are doing on that podcast. Go check it out. Subscribe in your podcast services. Bat Cat Podcast. The Bat and the Cat on podcast services. I, I, we're producing it. Thunder Quack is producing it. So that's why I'm giving it a big shout out. But also because we love Carl, uh, despite all of his egregious let's, flaws. Let's not go overboard. Yeah. Okay. We are. Uh, we tolerate Carl. We are friends with Carl. Yeah. We uh, are. Yeah. We know Carl. He's a cha- It's a charity <laughs> thing. But in anyways, uh, I, it was like a, he's like a Make-A-Wish kid. You know, I. I <laughs> <laughs> Please. He'll never hear this because he doesn't listen to any of my podcasts. Right. I, <laughs> but we love him. I, but like the Batman is takes the 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 subject matter seriously enough that you can break it down into twenty minute chunks and talk about those twenty minute chunks for an hour. Easy, easy, because Matt Reeves is a genius director, just like Tony Gilroy is a genius writer and director, and that's why Andor is like that takes it so seriously can do that. 
But then also like Batman 1966 is perfectly valid looking at Batman and Robin and going like, why is this dude hanging out with this younger dude? And they put on these weird outfits and they go and they punch bad guys. Can't the police do this? No, because the bad guys are ridiculous. This one guy's like, hey, I'm bald. I'm going to call myself Egghead. And everybody's okay with it. Everybody's fine with it. Another guy's like, I'll put question marks on my outfit. I'm the Riddler. My whole thing's going to be riddles. Is that a crime? He's like, no, I'm going to steal stuff and then I'm going to leave a riddle. Okay, so there's the crime. What's the riddle for? So that Batman can catch me. Why would you do that? Why would you put a riddle to tell Batman what you're going to do so that he can catch you? I don't know. I just think it's more fun that way, I guess. Like, it's so dumb. And I love every single second of it. And every time I'm watching Batman 66 and the the and Batgirl rolls across the screen on her Batcycle, I'm like, this is going to be a killer episode because Batgirl's in it. Is Batgirl a great character in that show? Eh. Not really. It's just different from the other one. So I get excited, right? Like, it's just like, like the whole thing is just so dumb. And Mando exists not, it's not as like, like arch and, and pointedly like ridiculous as Batman 66, but it is definitely Star Wars that looks at Star Wars and goes, this is weird. You guys, it's really weird that this guy, that this night in this shiny armor hangs out with this little frog dude that can do magic and they fly around in their spaceship and it's got a little bubble for the frog so that he can look at space whales. (laughs) You guys, it's dumb. It's so stupid when you break it down, but it works because it's magic because it's, it's, it's movies, it's TV, it's storytelling. Right. And it's like, and it's myth and it's archetypes and all of that stuff. Uh, and so like, like we love it. We love it because it's also like, it's, it's unfettered imagination, right? Like it's just like I, to me, that's why I love star Wars. And this episode hit all the right notes for me because it was like, let's have a giant dragon crocodile turtle in the beginning. Why? I don't know, because it'll be really cool to see Din blow it up with his N1 because he's got that (laughs) N1. Let's do something with it. Right. And it's like it's just an action set piece to open up the episode and go like, hey, remember last season when he killed a dragon? He's going to kill another one now. Din Din Djarin, Dragon Slayer, like like the dude's just he's he's racking up points. Uh, It's just like it's that's fun. That's fun. And yeah, you can be reductive and call it playing with action figures. But to me, it's like. I don't know, like I've spent a lot of time both as uh, an adolescent and an adult playing with my Star Wars action figures, you know, (laughs) like like that's a a, and sometimes it's literal action figures and other times it's drawing and other times it's just talking with my friends about this stuff. But like all of it's just playing with action figures. And so like. Is that a why is that have to be a bad thing? And yeah, like, yeah, the story needs to be tight. The story needs to be good. Um, the characters need to to make sense. I agree with all that. But like. Let the dialogue be weird and stilted from time to time. It's fine. I think it gives the show character. I think I think, you know, like like people speaking in a way that we don't speak naturally. It's like, yeah, this is a it's, 
show about space wizards, you guys. Like, like Obi Wan never said anything normal, and and that was one of the jokes, right? Like that was the the uh, is like like damn fool. I knew you were gonna say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? And it's like, what what's happening right now? Like like Han Solo's like, who is it? Like he says it later. He's like, where'd you find that this old crazy dude like like why are you why am i here right now dealing with this and then his dog says something and he's like yeah i agree with my dog and it's like (laughs) it's this is what star wars is and always has been and i think it's actually like delusional to pretend that it's not that like that's my opinion of it is that like i think it's actually quite ridiculous because andor exists now to be like now it all has to be self-serious at all times. But even Andor is like, here's space cereal, you guys. <laughs> we named the guy Cyril Karn, and then his one of his defining characteristics is that his mom feeds him Cocoa Puffs. Space cereal. Cyril Karn. Cereal Karn. He's just eating cereal. He's eating space cereal, you guys. Even Andor does get that Star Wars is dumb, Right. We're making these cogs. What are these cogs for? I don't know. It's like a metaphor for the empire because the logo is a cog. And then at the end of the season, uh, they're just making cogs because it's going to take 10 million billion cogs to build a Death Star. And here's a bunch of robots putting those cogs into place. Right? Like, so dumb. (laughs) So silly. (laughs) Not on the nose at all. So stupid. But at the same time, like, man, what a moment. In that, like, that's like a post-credit thing, right? Like, what yeah. a moment at yeah, the end yeah. of season one that's of Andor cool. when we see the Death Star and, like, we like we we're pulled in and we see the cog and we see these robots and they're putting the thing, and then we pull back and we knew the whole time that they were building pieces for the Death Star because we're not idiots, right? But like, then to see it and like pull back, pull back, pull back, and it's like it's going to take a lot of these things to build a Death Star, so we better put a lot of prisoners in these prisons, right? And it's like, and we're going to tell the story of why that happens and how fascist regimes suck and authoritarianism is the worst i and it's going to be super depressing and a real bummer and you're going to have a lot of anxiety while you watch it but it's going to be real good (laughs) and that's the thing that's not the star wars that i want i want wom 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 laser swords and pew pew spaceships like that's what i want and i want crocodile dragons i and when i get that i'm super super happy Right. And when I get the stuff that we got in Bad Batch this week, which I don't want to spoil, but like when we get that, I'm like, yes, like, yes, this is why I'm here. This is why I think like I have a, I have an extra affinity, I think, for the creatures. Like ever since I saw Tauntaun, I've just and, and the <laughs> Rancor, it's just like my like my brain just goes like, I want that real. I want that to be so real. So when we see the the six armed uh uh, lizard monster in Book of Boba Fett, or we see the crate dragon in season two of Mando, or this this crocodile uh, in the season premiere here, uh, or Kowaki and monkey lizards later on in the episode. I'm just like, yeah, like yes, please, more of this because this is what makes it Star Wars for me. So like, I'm I don't know, I just it just makes me happy, and I just. I'm I'm kind of I think where I'm at, if you guys can sense the frustration in my voice, I'm really sick of apologizing for <laughs> like finding joy in the thing that 
that I've always found joy in. Like I like I like, but now because of the way that social media works and because like we're tapped into the community and that sort of thing, it's like if I say, but but was Book of Boba Fett that bad? It's like all of a sudden, like I feel like I'm being judged by a bunch of people who are like, oh, so you don't like good storytelling? And it's like that's not what I said. I what but but I am saying that like Boba Fett who was a character that I think kind of got ruined over time. They brought him back. They gave him depth. They made him awesome. And then they gave him a rancor to ride in the season finale. And he did that. And it was awesome. And he fought giant robots with it. And it's like, so is book of Boba Fett bad? Did book of Boba Fett make some mistakes in its storytelling? hundred percent, hundred percent. There's stuff I don't agree with in that series. Um, things that I would have done differently, but also newsflash, I don't make star Wars. I'm just some guy on the internet who talks about it because, you know, a few dozen people listen to him. I, this is all your fault. All of you people who are listening to this. (laughs) Thanks a lot guys. You're just enabling this behavior. I, I don't actually get a say in what star Wars gets to be right now um and that's here's here's the here's the piece of that like that's on me like i i own that that's on me (laughs) like if i wanted to make star wars i should have made star wars right i should be out there doing things so that i can go make star wars there's a i feel like sometimes there's a little bit of like a i it's like the monday morning quarterback sort of thing right it's really easy to call the plays and say what they did wrong after the game is done it's a completely different thing to be on the field, even just even as a coach and call, calling the plays or, as, you know, like, but even more so to be like the guy with the helmet on and the other team on the other side, like ready to flatten you. And it's like, and make the right call and do the right thing in that moment. Right. And making movies, making television, uh, making video games, making comic books, any of these collaborative mediums where you're, you're not on your own and you have to coordinate a team and there's a lot of people involved in the process from start to finish. Like it's impossible. Like it's not impossible. There are people who do it. There are exceptional directors, right? There are exceptional writers. There are exceptional producers um, and they make incredible stuff, but they are exceptional. (laughs) The definition of that word is that, they not everybody can do that and it can't be that all the time and like i don't know like john favreau can make iron man and then he can also make iron man 2 right he can make elf and zathura and and you know he can also you know be in swingers did he direct swingers no he didn't direct i have swingers. no he idea but you know like like i i, I like human beings are human beings and sometimes we're going to be awesome. And sometimes we're going to suck. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. And, uh, and I just think that people need to like not treat creatives as monoliths, right. Mm -hmm. Of like, like, you know, like you're a, you're a constant landmark of whatever it is you said you are. Right. Because that like, it not only does that not allow for, stumbles and failures which i think we need to be gracious and allow for it also doesn't allow for growth right if we say that tony gilroy is capable of andor and only andor then we limit the possibility of him going like 
but what if I did tell a Star Wars story about a Jedi? What if I did go into that other part of this universe and explore some of the weird stuff, not just this serious stuff? Because I think like maybe he might have something really interesting to say about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like I just don't think that we should limit creatives in that way, artists, right? Like like that's just um, I think restrictions and rules and stuff like that are actually really important for art to thrive because that's where the challenge comes in. But then you know like like the the challenge is in breaking the mold. <laughs> Right. Like the mold is there to challenge the artist to break it. And so you have to have both. Like you have to have an artist that's willing to go outside of that. But then you also have to have the mold and you have to have the restrictions and the barriers and all that sort of thing. Um, And sometimes it goes well, like the first season of Mando. And sometimes it falls short for people like the second season or, or like Book of Boba Fett. I think this first episode of Mando season three. I personally think it's exceptional. I watched this and went like, that's damn good television. <laughs> I, it's got some weirdness in it, but, but like some, some, some stuff that's a little bit off, but it's also, it's also real damn good. It's got some of the best star Wars in it. I, uh, in my opinion, all of that we did the 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 two year thing. Oh, I also uh, I got so off on a tangent that I didn't finish. Eventually, we're gonna actually that, talk about the episode. Tweet. We are, we are, we are. <laughs> I didn't talk about that tweet and that like the second tweet that I so I did the first tweet of like let Star Wars be dumb, and then the follow up tweet that I did to it, <clears throat> I did them as like a thread. The two of them. The second one was, um, like, like, I like I'm saying this because what I'm actually saying to you is like like love star Wars for being dumb because I love the dumb stuff in star Wars. Like, like Boba Fett has a jetpack, right? Like his, his backpack has jets. He's Boba the Fett, right? Like, I love that. I think that that's super cool that Boba Fett has a jetpack because jetpacks are cool, right? Laser swords are cool. Rancors are cool. Like, <clears throat> like let the cool stuff be the cool stuff. But when you hate on that stuff, it feels like you hate me. Right. And so that it actually hurts. Mm. And so like, stop making the thing that makes me happy hurt me. And I think that like, like when I, when I sort of articulated this, I had like an epiphany moment of like, this is what's going on. And the problem is that we don't all love the same stuff about star Wars. That's where the issue is. And, and also not everybody has the ability to recognize that and then articulate it in the way that you and I both have on this episode, right? Um, They haven't done that introspection for whatever reason, not that they're not capable necessarily, but just that they haven't been given the opportunity to, to practice those skills. And so, you know, we end up with the toxic Star Wars community and I'm being very forgiving right now in this moment by having a little bit of empathy for them and saying like, like they love Star Wars for a different reason than you and I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And when we get mad at them for that, they get mad at us. And now like, listen, a lot of those reasons are based in uh, systemic racism or 
uh, uh, sexism or other forms of oppression and targeting of minority groups uh, and, you know, stuff like that. And that's where the toxic stuff gets gets problematic and is something that we have to fight against. But um, uh, and when I say fight against what I mean by that is to ensure that Star Wars and the community is always inclusive and that we defend the people that get attacked. That's being said as a couple of white guys on this podcast talking about (laughs) Star Wars. Um, It's kind of our job to make sure you form a form a a protective barrier around uh, those people that the that the that the jerks are going after. Right. Um, And say, no, that's not cool in this community. We accept everybody because Star Wars is for everyone. Right. Hell yeah. But but also, like, I think it's I think it's also really important in order to fight that fight in the right way. In the way that a Jedi would do it is to understand why. They are so upset, so, so upset, and they're wrong for being upset about some of the things that they're wrong about that they're upset about. But at the same time, like, let's recognize that it's it's a it's a fear response like it's a it's a whatever trauma or bad feelings they've got there um when we go when when we launch into certain things like it they feel threatened and then they attack right so it's just remembering that there are human beings behind all of those trolls i i they they and they weren't always trolls uh or maybe some of them were i don't know maybe some people just come out that way but i i you know, like, I don't know. I just, I, I had, I just had that moment when I like recognized why, cause this is the reality of it. My friends that I actually like quite like, and in some instances, even like love and consider almost like family. Some of these people are saying some things about star Wars that really hurts me because it's stuff about star Wars that I hold dear. Right. And it's and I know that for some of them, they're saying it because they're 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 using a critical lens and they want to talk about these things on a higher level and that sort of thing. And I and I can appreciate that. But then also, like when you go into it with that, I'll, I'll bring it back to to one of my favorite quotes, which is when Qui-Gon says to Anakin, your focus determines your reality. Right. Like stay like he's telling him, stay in the present, stay, stay here and now. Um, don't worry about the future. Don't, don't regret the past, right? Like your focus determines your reality. But I think in a broader sense, like it's, it's like your focus determines your reality links up with what's in the cave, only what you take with you, right? Mm-hmm. When your focus is criticism and that's what you go into the episode with, you're going to come out the other side with criticism, sure. right? As opposed to what I am trying to exercise and it's very difficult because of the discourse and because I'm terminally online and can't help myself. (laughs) But, but what I'm trying to like sort of separate and compartmentalize is when I sit down at midnight on a Tuesday to watch this episode, what am I here for? Why am I up at midnight? Why am I going to be tired all day Wednesday? If, if not because like this is gonna bring me joy that's worth it like it this is the juice is worth the squeeze right so 
like my focus determines my reality. I go into that episode and I go like, let's get some Mando. Like if we, if I get some rad Mando moments and I get some cute Grogu and if grief is like, he's Mando. If he does that one time, if he does that one time, which he does, he's going to, it's guaranteed. But if he does it one time, I'm happy because that's what I'm there for. Right. These are the things that make me happy. I I love love his vocabulary. Like I love every time he like steals the scene for me. Every time he's in it. He's so good. He's so good. And listen, when I, when we started Mandalorian back in, in 2019, I hadn't watched all of the Rocky movies. So I didn't have the full appreciation for Carl Weathers that, that I do now. <laughs> Cause now I've watched all the Rocky movies and like, you know, between that and predator and arrested development and happy Gilmore. It's just like, I, he is one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. I think he's just like, like so underrated. It's ridiculous. But I, I, yeah, he's just, he's, he's so delightful. He's, I love the transformation of this character from where we met him to where he is now. He's the same, but completely different high magistrate. Uh, You you know what though? So good. Two years. Yeah. Two years. In two years. And look at Navarro, look at him. Like, listen, it makes sense, man. It does make sense, doesn't it? And that was one of the things that I was going to say when we got there. But like, yeah, look at Navarro. Look at how it's changed. Look at how he's changed. It's been two years. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been two years since the mission to to rescue Grogu. That's I I believe it. I just want I want to see. I I need them to give me a little bit of Book of Boba Fett explanation of like how long that actually was. Uh, or I I don't actually. I did it myself. He it took him a long time in the back to tank like that that stuff took a lot longer than the, than it showed on screen, um, and that's fine. That's fine. There were time jumps in between episodes. It's fine. Uh, none of it matters. It's all made up in space, you guys. Like like do it, do the characters resonate and and do we get to see cool stuff? Those are the two things that that, that are. Are you having to fun? Me. Are you yeah. having fun watching this? Well, it. yeah, bingo, exactly right. So. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be better when the story resonates on like a mythic level and the archetypes are are solid and the plot lines make sense and all that sort of stuff. That's all going to enhance it, but um, but sometimes all you need is lasers, pew pew, and big monster. Let's get into the actual episode. Let's 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 talk. We've talked about a bunch of it already, but I let's talk about this, the, the beginning, like the, the, the first chunk. So I love that we got the bait and switch that we were meant to believe that that was Din getting his helmet for the first time. I I was positive that kid was Din, especially the moment, the moment that like sold it for me is when she says like, like I, I don't remember the exact word, but like, uh, she's like, I swear to never take off my helmet. And he starts to say it and then gets in, they get interrupted and he never said, yeah. he never finishes saying it. Yeah. And I thought for a second that it's like, so he never broke the oath, right? Like I thought that's what they were setting up. And you know, that's what John wants us to think yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Right. Like, like, and Rick Fummy, you had directed this episode. He's, he's been elevated to an executive producer on this season um, because he's awesome and give him the whole series as far as i'm concerned let john sit back and be the kevin feige of all this stuff and let rick take over and bring in a writing team so that it's not just one guy writing every episode but in any case i i i rick's episodes are some of the best episodes of the series right like like hands down 
Um, and this, I think this is no exception to that, but, uh, yeah, like, like they definitely wanted us to feel in that moment. And it's not until Din shows up that we're like, okay, this is present day. This isn't a flashback. Um, I thought that was so clever. That's like, what a way to open the season. Just so, so smart. Um, and also giving us like the detailed shots of the armor building that helmet. There's some there's some Mando Mercs out there that were just like <laughs> salivating yeah. during those moments. They're like, that's me. I made my armor. I'm like her. And they just like, you know, like like they it was definitely it felt like um like kind of a love letter to to the helmet which is like the iconic thing, right? That Boba Fett helmet is so iconic that we have a whole series built around where that character comes from. <laughs> like it's when you, when you stop and you think about that for a second, that it's like Joe Johnston was like, well, Ralph McQuarrie initially is like, here's this character. Uh, here's this, this bounty hunter design. And then Joe Johnston brings it to life with the, with the actual like build of it. Right. And I, I, and it doesn't even make it into the first movie. It gets cut, but then it's so good that George brings it back in empire and, uh, and makes it, makes it a main character. And we all love it so much that 40 years later, they're like, what if we did a whole show about just these guys? Like, what if the show was about, these guys and why they wear these helmets and I, uh, I, uh, you know, some of them don't wear helmets and what's that all about? And let's talk about it. Right. For many, many years. And let's have two, like, actually, you know what? One show about this guy, not enough, not enough. We got to have two in order to tell this story. Hmm. Like how ridiculous is that? That, that all because of a T visor in red and green on a, a little helmet with an antenna on it, you know? Um, all up to this moment where it, where we get to see her building it and making this thing. And it's just fantastic. And then it's interrupted by an absolutely world-class animated uh, <laughs> uh, CG crocodile, turtle, dinosaur, dragon. Kaiju. A kaiju. A giant, a giant crocodile jumps out of the water and starts eating Mandalorians. <laughs> <laughs> like it literally eats a dude and I love it. I love every second of it. Uh, By the way, real quick. Uh, yeah. Last time we saw armor and Paz Vizsla, it was just the two of them. Now there's <laughs> a whole bunch of them. Two years. Two years. Makes sense. Two years. Makes a lot of sense. I, I, yeah. I, well, how, do, but you, you, you sort of intimated, you implied Yes. That maybe this was not your favorite part of the episode. Why? Why? Yes. Tell me why. Yes. Yes. Okay. So again, we we just spent an hour saying, yeah. "Hey, Star Wars fans, don't think too much about it." <laughs> yeah, chill out. This is the only thing that I. Again, the only reason I I didn't sleep last night was not because of this scene and because I was upset. It's because of how excited I was because of this episode and because of Bad Batch. They were amazing. Some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a very long time, those two episodes. Yeah. Anyway, with that disclaimer out of the way, what I would have done differently, the thing that kind of confused and frustrated me a little bit is that we have these Mandalorian super commandos, right? These guys are supposed to be the best of the best. 
but yeah. like, and they were just getting their butts kicked. And I understand the purpose of the scene. The purpose of the scene is to have all this drama, this tension, build up all the stuff. Everybody's in danger. And then Din comes in and it's to show everybody other than this, the little bait and switch. Uh, it was to show everybody that this tribe of warriors is stronger having uh, Din and Grogu as a part of it. I get it. I understand yeah. that. But yeah. I do feel like when all of these Mando, quote unquote, super commandos are doing really dumb decisions to fight. Like this thing obviously had very strong plated armor on its back. Its back was clearly not its weak point. And a bunch <laughs> of guys jet packed up on top of the armor and started here. Maybe this is a good place for the explosives. Mandalorians, where was everybody's jetpack like missiles? How come nobody was using that? And it was just like a lot. It just made an entire group of Mandalorians Mandalorians seem not incompetent, but just like not the mm -hmm. effective warriors that they've always been throughout the mythology of Star Wars. And it it, it hurts even more because there's always that like there's a lot of similarities every time you know the the first episode of of the show premieres you see like a lot of it po poetry it rhymes right yeah you saw mando and a not mandalorian fought a crate dragon i mean granted other people were there kind of doing the same thing we're really just they're distracting it more than anything um crate dragon's a lot bigger a lot scarier and you saw din basically kill it by himself and you had a whole group of these guys. I really feel like this scene should have been like, everybody get the kids out of here, four super commandos, go take the thing down. That's it. And they do yeah. it. And then, you know, just because... I, I, don't, I don't know what the correct answer is for still achieving the point of showing that Din makes this, this covert stronger. But I also have a problem with them bringing him back right now in the first place, because it feels like the only reason they did that is to re reiterate a scene that already took place in Book of Boba Fett and was literally just like, there was no, nothing said was different. Yeah. Everything that was said last time was already established. And why would didn't come back just to have the exact same conversation to them be like, Oh, okay, well now I'm going to go. Like, why didn't he just go? since last time so all of that i guess so i was really complaining at the about the first scene but it's really this like two-part thing where for me it just it didn't it didn't have the impact that i think that they were going for and then the following scene was just like what was the point of any of this yeah so uh my counter to that is that the mandalorians um the rest of them they are not Din Djarin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I uh, we get the great moment in the third episode in chapter three when uh, when they cover his retreat, right? Uh, and they, they come in and save the day, right? Mm -hmm. And it's and it's great and it's heroic and it's awesome. It's one of the highlights of the first season, for sure. Um, they're just fighting like crappy bounty hunters on Navarro, right? Like this is a backwater planet. Mm -hmm. Everybody sucks. Din is like 
leagues ahead of all of those bounty hunters. They all hate him for it, right? Grief says as much. It's like, oh, they all he not he doesn't say as much. He literally says it. He's like, they all hate you because you're so good at your job, right? And then he goes underground and Paz is like, I hate you too. So like all the Mandos underground also hate Din because he excels, right? Like Din Djarin is the hero of our show. He is also He's also Arthur, right? Like, like he's, he's King Arthur. So like, he's special. He's been chosen. Not by the lady in the lake, but by the force through Grogu to serve a higher purpose, right? In the same way that Ray is chosen by the force in the same way that Luke is chosen, that Anakin is chosen, etc. Right? Like, I truly believe that, that like, like Din and Grogu being together is because Din is meant to unite Mandalore. He's he's meant to 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 bring back what Mandalore was before they splintered into the pacifists and the 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 Death Watch, right? Like before um <clears throat> before they were defeated by the Jedi, before the the wars, before all of that stuff. Like like I think that over the course of the series we're going to get back to a point where it's like Din and Grogu represent something that like Mandalore was Mandalore was tr- like the Mandalore, the, the first Mandalore was truly about. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to learn what that is over the course of this story. Um, and so he is, I'm going to use the word exceptional again. He is exceptional compared to the rest of the covert. He stands like above the rest of them. So, so even Paz Vizsla, who I would say is like the next one, right? It's like the armor and Paz are meant to sort of represent the, the next tier of Mandalorians. Um, And maybe even Paz is almost strong enough to fight Din. Right. Uh, But he's not, we've seen Din defeat him in single combat. That's, that's Mm. where that stands. Right. I, I, maybe the armorer could take Din, but, but I don't think that we'll ever need to see that. So I think that what this scene does is it reestablishes that not only, not only is Din more powerful because of his, because, because of his friends, because he took his helmet off because he's an apostate, it's actually not a weakness. It's a strength, right? Because he doesn't solely rely on the covert and because like Mandalorians are meant to be resourceful, not, stuck in their ways these guys are so busy with their ceremony that they're attacked by like they're so into their religion they're such zealots that they're gonna they like she knows what's happening right before it happens which means that they're fully aware that where they are is dangerous right um and so, but they're like, well, but we got to do the ceremony. The ceremony has to happen this way. It's this kid's got to get his helmet and we've got to put the helmet on him. And we've got to say all the things. Um, and so they put everybody in danger with this crocodile thing because of their religious zealotry. And, and so I, I think they're lost, right? Mm-hmm. The covert is lost. The, 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 um, what, what are they called? The, the children of the watch, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're adrift. And they all they have been the whole time. And Din stands apart from them and always has. He's the one that gets to go up onto the surface and be a bounty hunter because he goes out there and he brings back the stuff that the rest of the clan needs. Right. 
um, he, he's the one who can do it. They only go up one at a time and he goes up more than anybody. Like that's all implied in the first season and, and Paz hates him for it. So, so I think like all, if you take all of that into account and then you see what happens here, it's like, <clears throat> I don't think that these guys are out fighting all the time. I don't think that these guys are out like being, I don't think, I don't think that these guys are Mandalorian super commandos, right? Cause I think Mandalorian super commandos are like the guys that we see in star Wars rebels that are like the, the elite ones that, that, um, that the empire that, um, Oh, what's his name? I uh, Gar Saxon. Gar Saxon, yeah, yeah. Leads right. That was like who like and that were with Darth Maul and like all of that stuff, right? right like that, those are. I actually have a question for you. Yeah, when yeah. was the schism with the Children of the Watch? Uh, w- w- like when did they split off? Because originally I thought that they were supposed to be the splinter group from death watch that they were the mall malls commandos. But like, I don't think that makes sense. I think you're right that those are the, the Imperial. I, I think, I think what, no, I think what Bo-Katan says in this episode establishes that the children of the watch splintered when, when the, when the, the rift between the pacifists and the warrior clans happened. Like, I think it goes back that far. And I think that, like, like you have Clan Vizsla who, like, maintained the old ways of, of like, the, the ruling class of Mandalore. And then you had these religious zealots who, who, when this happened, went off and were like, no, no, no. Like, we're, like, it's like the difference between, like, I would look at, like, the pacifists as, like, Protestants. And then you've got the, the, uh, like the death watch are like Catholics. Right. And so it's like, they, they vehemently degree, uh, disagree about uh, some very core things about the same religion. And then you have Baptists (laughs) who are like (laughs) Protestants and Catholics will agree that like evangelicals are a problem, right? Like (laughs) not to get too (laughs) religious political, but, um, because uh, I'm painting with very broad brushes here, I don't want to alienate anybody. But but as somebody who grew up in the church, like this this is how we understand it, right? And I am Anglican, so that's Protestant. So you've kind of got like the Protestant religions, and then the and the Catholic religions, and then you've got the evangelicals who are like this splinter group that is like not all, but very many evangelical groups are like they've completely lost the plot of what the religion was about. And like, mm-hmm. they're just about ritual and um, there are people in charge that are, that are more interested in staying in charge, which I think the armorer is guilty of. She is much more interested in the, the hierarchy that they have and her, and her being the leader than she is in what's actually best for the Mandalorians, right? Because she like she cannot see past her own visor, basically. Um, for uh, that that like what they're doing is actually they're they are actively killing themselves by adhering to these old ways, right? Um, but then on the other side, you've got Death Watch who only serve power, and so like we're kind of jumping around in the episode, but like what Bo says is like the like you got the dark saber they took off. They won't follow me anymore mm. because I told them that I was going to get the dark saber back. And then you've got the dark saber go wave it in front of them. They'll all follow you to their deaths. 
right? Like she's like, she's like, that's all they care about. All they care about is power. Um, so like, that's sort of like this other side of it where it's like, they're, they're adherent to like this political power and the, the dark saber represents that it represents this like fealty sort of thing. Um, so I, I think that's where like, we've got like, there's that. And then, and then the pacifists are de- are gone. Like, like as, as far as I'm concerned, like, like the, the citizens of Mandalore have all been wiped out. Yeah. Right. Like that was a genocide. And, and, and the reason why is because they were preaching that the empire, I mean, they were doing it when it was still the Republic. They were like, you guys are on the wrong path, right? Like you're not as altruistic as you all seem to be. You're fighting the same war that the separatists are like, you're both wrong. Uh, and fighting is not a solution to any of these problems. Right. And so I think the emperor was like, just, just, just get rid of all of them. Right. Like I think at a certain point he was like, this, this planet is too dangerous to keep around. Um, and so, yeah, like, like that, I, I don't know. And I think that we'll learn more about the purge this season, but, um, and exactly when that happened, exactly what that timeline looks like. But, uh, yeah, we know it's we know it's sometime post Rebels, <clears throat> which puts it like sometime either. I don't know. Is it meant to be like a like the remnant did it like the Imperial remnant did that? Or I feel like it like it's too big of an operation for the remnant to have pulled it off. Yeah, I've but, always been under the impression <clears throat> that the remnant was just kind of. Like it, it maybe didn't formulate after that but it was just yeah. like I it, could, it, it could have <laughs> been but it could have been something along the lines of operation cinder right because like that that all happened in the wake of of endor so right. it could it very well like like the 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 night of a thousand tears or whatever could have happened alongside operation cinder happening other places it's just like mandalore right. had a specific code name right like or or mandalorians have just referred to their part of operation cinder as sure yeah the night of a thousand tears so we're only getting it from their perspective and maybe if gideon comes back this season i think he will but um i will hear about it it's like listen like the order came palpatine was dead and like there were certain planets that were on a list and mandalore was on that list and so we did it. Like we did what we were what we were told to do, and uh, you know, and for him to basically say, like, I would love to for us to see the tribunal, and for him to just be like, I was following orders. Like, I would love for him to literally say the words, "I was just following orders," because yeah. that would draw the direct parallel of like, hey guys, hey hey all of you uh, Empire sympathizers out there <laughs> that that, uh, that act like the Empire is not so bad. Um, they're the literal Nazis. <laughs> they're the literal Nazis. Let's say a Nazi thing so that that's super clear. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I it, it could be that simple. But I think we'll get those answers this season. I think that's one of the things that we're going to dive into. If we're going to Mandalore and and Gideon is going on trial, why would they have talked about that? We're, we've, we've, we've almost like kind of jumped into the Navarro stuff a little bit. But um yeah, I, that seems all logical to me. Um, well, with that said, uh, it definitely lightens 
a little bit of my uh, buttheartedness of of the scene. You you yeah. bring up a lot of valid points. I still I, don't like it. That's fine, but it makes sense. I, it makes more I, sense. I I think I think in reality, like I've done a lot of justifying the story, but I think in reality, what you what we have there is what if we open the season with them fighting a giant crocodile? Yeah. And then, and then going like, how do we show like, like it's what you said. It's the building the tension, right? So these Mandalorians use everything that we're used to seeing Mandalorians use. They like, like both Boba and Din, right? So they're using the charges. They're using the, the, the cables, right? Like they're, they're doing all of this stuff. And I mean, like, listen, the cable thing had to happen the way that it happened because what an opportunity, right? Yeah. Mandalorians <laughs> have these these capture wire things. They're going to, like, put them all into this thing. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to take this thing down. And then to have the croc roll is such a, like, how you can't pass that up. You have to yeah. do it. No, I was, um, I, was, I was about that. I was like, all right, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and you got to have it eat at least one of these guys. And you got to have it stomp at least one of them. Um, but, but I think what it suffers from is that the scene went on a little longer than it should have. Mm. Um, and, and that's really the problem. I think if you cut it down by about 25%, I think you probably wouldn't have had as much of a problem because it would have been quicker. It would have gotten to the point quicker and they wouldn't have seemed quite so hapless if it would have, if they would have just gone straight to the cables of like, oh, let's tie this thing down and then we'll deal with it. Right. Um, I, what I would have liked to have seen is, is to subvert our expectations of like, Oh, it's another, it's like a crate dragon. Right. So like have one of these guys like shoot a missile inside of it or like toss one of the charges, like it opens its mouth and they toss the charge in and have it like explode. And then, and it like shudders for a second and you're like, Oh, they did it. They took it down. Same way Din did. Right. Like, Oh, he must've learned this from them. And then have the thing like shake and get back up and like basically like have its mouth open and a bunch of smoke yeah. come out and it'd be like, oh, it's just as strong on the inside as it is on the outside. That you guys like awesome. we're screwed. I, I right? would have been like, all right, cool. Makes sense. Make it make it make it less about the Mandalorians not being able to take it down as much as this thing's indestructible until like but it's like, yeah, but no organic can withstand a proton torpedo to the butt, right? Like that's going to bullseye. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like Din, Din knew what he was doing. um, And he shows up in the nick of time and which it then establishes like you guys, he's your King. He's the Mandalore. He's got the dark saber. He saved you from a dragon. Like he is a knight in shining armor with his little wizard frog. He's got like, he is King Arthur rolling around with baby Merlin in his pocket. (laughs) Like that's who this character is. And everybody, all of his friends see it. All of these allies that he's, that he's gathered can see it. Even Bo-Katan can see it. She hates him for it. She hates him so much. And grief is like, we're going to backtrack. We're going to talk about the Purgle. Grief is like, dude, forget the children of the watch forget them yeah you're an apostate with them here you are a knight you are landed gentry dude you're a hero to these people be my marshal be a lawman you'd be excellent at it like you're you're 
I, he doesn't say it, but he kind of like is like, you're even quicker on the draw than I am. Although grief stood his ground. Like, yeah, let's be awesome. real. That was great. Grief was a badass in this episode. He did all the talking and he's like, guys, let's have a drink. Let's talk it out. Like, let's settle this like, like gentlemen, right? Like he's really, it's not a, it's not a con. I think in season two, it felt a little bit like a con of like, yeah, he's just doing this for the power. And then he's like, that's my school, you guys. And when they're like, we don't care, we're going to do what we want. He's like, I'm going to shoot the blaster right out, right out of your hand. And then I'm going to give you one chance. And then Din is like, I'm going to give you zero chances. <laughs> I killed all of your friends. <laughs> I, it's so good. That moment is so good. Um, but let's backtrack. There's a wonderful transition scene here. I, that is, um, for anybody who's got a problem with the Mandalorian, I say to you, like the show is pure magic. It is pure magic because the Purgle are one of my favorite things in Star Wars. Like, like, like full stop They're Like I, I, as a kid, I was obsessed with whales. Uh, and so <laughs> that episode, when we, when we meet the Purgle in, in Star Wars Rebels is one of my standout favorite episodes of the series. And, and uh, for those who don't know, the Purgle have a big role in the series finale. Um, and they are very closely connected to Ezra. I think the 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 symbolism of this of the Purgle showing up for Grogu. Din is asleep, right? He doesn't see it. Mm. This is just for Grogu. The Purgle showing up. The Purgle are a force of nature. They can they can again for people who haven't watched Star Wars Rebels. Hyperspace travel was discovered on the backs of Purgle, right? Like that's that's sort of the myth is that like like whoever invented hyperspace travel saw the Purgle do this, maybe even used them to travel at one point in time, right? We don't know, like thousands, maybe millions of years in, in the past in Star Wars. I, uh, but they can travel through hyperspace lanes. The hyperspace lanes are actually not lanes. They're not. They weren't crafted by civilization they're actually like migration routes for these animals right um so like they represent a lot of stuff in star wars but they are like literally they're i mean like they're space whales right um and we know what whales symbolize to our cultures and like they're they're benevolent and they're gentle giants and all of that sort of thing I firmly believe that this scene is meant to show Grogu that he's on the right path, right? Like he is in this moment with Din on who's now set off on a new quest. He's got, he's confirmed that he has a new mission because his mission previously was Grogu and he was lost without Grogu. Now he's got Grogu. He's got to, he's got to go to Mandalore and prove himself all that stuff. And Grogu is like, there's a little bit of like a, did Grogu make the right decision rejoining Din? We obviously, as the audience, know that that's the right decision because it makes us feel good, right? Um, and it's like, why have these characters if not for them to be a family? Him being separate, all of that stuff with Luke felt wrong. And the stuff that Luke said to him felt wrong. It felt like Luke didn't learn his own mission, his own lesson, right? Of like, 
like if if leave now help you help them you could but destroy it all for which they have fought and suffered right like that's what yoda says to him and yoda was wrong <laughs> like let's be super clear yoda was wrong luke did need to go save his friends that was more important than completing his training um and it works out in the end right Luke messed that lesson up and thinks he needs to rebuild the Jedi the way that they were. Grogu is, is whether he realizes it or not has recognized that and realizes that family is more important than training. Right. So this moment is the force telling him like, yes, you're on the right path. You you're where you belong. And the reason why I am so confident in that, that that's the intent of this scene, he leaves the little bubble, which I love that it's built so that he can go from the bubble yeah, into the cockpit. He, can back and forth. he leaves the bubble and we get one of, I think, the most uh, amazing, tender scenes in Star Wars. Like this is, it's, as a dad, this is like, it just means it meant a lot to me. Like I just, it, 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 it really, really worked for me. He slides into, into Din's arms and, and basically like closes his eyes and, uh, and Din kind of holds him tight. And it's like, like, it's not, it's not implied anymore. You guys, like they are literally father and son. Like yeah. the, it is, they are a family, the two of them, a clan of two. If it wasn't, clear before it is crystal clear now it is it is so so permanently etched on these characters that like that is their relationship um and it's just this thing of like like they're both actually right where they need to be and that it doesn't matter it's just wherever they are as long as they're together right that's what's important uh vin diesel is somewhere and he's just <laughs> fist pumping the sky he's shedding a tear in a good way. yeah yeah he's just a single tear and he's just he's just yeah i yeah such a great moment and whatever other problems we might have with the mandalorian or book of boba fett or anything else in this sort of era of star wars i don't care because this was just i said it pure magic for me like this is what star wars is about i uh, it worked so well for me i love it i love it so much um the what what do, do we what else on navarro so i so we've got the scene. We didn't really talk about the entrance, right? We talked about a little bit. Navarro has like regained its, it's, uh, or I'm not even regained. Maybe it's like, it's never been this nice. Right. Um, but in the approach, even like the planet is starting to look green. Yeah. I, I like, like the whole planet is transforming, not just the city. Um, like they're, I'm sure that there's like, we could explain it that they're like terraforming it so that it's more habitable and that sort of thing. Um, and like whatever operations are going on, they're farming and the farming is turning it into this other place. Um, but, but symbolically it's, it's like, to me, I I've always had this thing that like everywhere that Din and Grogu go, especially like everywhere that Grogu goes, uh, it's like, there's like, there's growth afterwards. Yeah. They thrive. It, yeah um it's like it, like that's his magic is that the places that he goes the people that he touches they and we saw this in season one when he heals grief it sets grief karga on a different path 
And that different path has resulted in him being high magistrate and building this city and this community that's thriving and seeing it like that. And like we saw more aliens and creatures and uh, droids and variety diversity in this scene than we saw in all of Andor put together. (laughs) Right. And like, maybe that's thematically appropriate because Andor is a time in the, in the star Wars story where the empire is, uh trying to destroy that right they're trying to like like create everything needs to be the empire it needs to be one thing homogenous right so maybe that's kind of the whole point and what grief says of like no we're not bowing down to a different authority like that's not what we're about we're an independent system so there's a little bit of lando in there right i i it's like yeah you know we'll try and stay small enough so that we stay off the radar um, and grief's a little bit more like, no, we're going to be so big that nobody can stop us. <laughs> but <laughs> the sentiment is the same that like freedom and independence is what it's about. Um, and I, I think that's really cool. It's, it's a, there's a really cool message there going back to the thing of like, the most important thing to me is that this has something to say, right? Does the Mandalorian have something to say? I think it's got something to say about family and about found family. And I think it has something to say about what freedom means post empire right like like Mm. like how does the galaxy get back to that um and unfortunately the first order is going to wreck a lot of that but hopefully we discover that navarro wasn't one of those places that got ruined by the first order so um anyways uh one day maybe i we talked about the pirates which is a great setup for later you know Uh, there is there is one thing uh yeah real quick uh (laughs) marshall dune Marshall Dune. Yeah. She got recruited to the special forces and we'll never see her again. Uh, Uchi went back to his planet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's fine. That's fine. I think that's, I think they handled that exactly how we said they should. Mm. And, uh, and it's perfect. I feel like Um, that's literally what we said. Yeah. They would probably do like, Oh yeah, Yeah. she's, uh, she's busy with the new Republic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, and then, so we see the, we see the statue of IG 11 and Din and Grogu have this great moment where he's like, do you remember, you remember him? You remember what he did sort of thing. (laughs) Um, This reverence that Din has for IG 11. And then, and then we get the twist, which is that he's like, I need him. We're like, but he blew up. It's like, this is all that's left of him. It's a few of these pieces. And we built a statue around it. And he's like, I don't care. Take it down. We're going to fix them. And so Din tries and it just turns back into a murder zombie droid, which is such a great scene. It's so cool. Um, I don't know. I love that. How, how did you feel about, about zombie IG-11? Let me tell you, there was a lot of horror in our episodes today. That scared mm-hmm. the hell out of me. That was the end of Terminator 1. Right? It was so good. So good. I, like I knew yeah. none of those characters were going to die, but like... I felt the threat when he tosses Grogu over to grief. Like, so, and then the, and then the droid is the one. Yeah. I love it. that The droid is the one that saves them from the killer droid by, by dropping Grief's statue on him. Uh, that's do, who said it. Does Din say that's using your head? Yeah, of course. Din said it. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but if there was ever a moment to support my thesis that this is the Batman 66 of Star Wars, Din Djarin, one of the biggest badasses in the entire history of Star Wars, made that pun. Yeah, that was a very Adam West Batman one-liner. I rest my case. <laughs> I rest my case, you guys. I'm right. Okay, I, 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 I will hear no further arguments on the subject. Everybody just needs to accept the truth the truth now at this point. That's it. Um, so yeah, in order to fix this guy, they're going to need to take him to uh, to fix IG-11. They're going to need to take him to some some master droidsmiths. Thankfully, a bunch of little Babu Fricks have moved into Nav- Navarro. Oh, I've got the hiccups. I've been talking too much. I... Uh, <clears throat> So I uh, so we go well, and visit them. Was that actually Babu Frick, or is it just I don't like know. Another... May, I don't know if one of them was meant to be Babu Frick or not. But okay. their what what what's their species? I don't know. I no um, let me look. Let me look at at the, I have the episode up so I can. There's only... there's no there's no credit for for who voiced those little dudes. Um, there were well, there were three of them, right? I think there were three of them. Uh, or maybe, maybe if I, I go think into all three caps. of the random, uh, the Anzellans, A N Z E L L A N S, Anzellans. Uh, yeah, they're not they're not credited. Hmm. Um, it just says Anzellian crew. They're all okay. they're they're credited as Shirley Henderson, who I'm sure is. Uh, I think this is also the person who did it for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, because I think that Shirley Henderson is um, I, I that that one isn't she from? She's in Harry Potter. Yeah, she's Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter. She and she's the voice of Babu Frick. I and I yeah. So she came back and did the voice for all of the Anzellians. I but yeah, it doesn't specifically say if one of them was Babu. But in any case, it doesn't really matter. Who cares? Um, they are adorable, and they're going to try and fix IG-11, but they can't because the memory circuit's busted, and uh, they can't fix the memory circuit. They It's too specific. They need the part. Mm. Um, so Din's going to have to go find the part because he needs – he for some reason, he thinks that he needs IG-11 in order to go into the mine. I'm sure whatever he's got his reasons. It's fine. I'm fine with it. If it means that we get Taika Waititi back, then I'm not going to argue with it. I, like I, I, the, what I kind of came up with uh, for now, at least, I don't know if they're going to go into it later. It just, he's got a thing against droids and this is a droid that he trusts. And yeah, if, if the mines are poisoned, send the droid in, send the droid that I trust in to go check it out. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if this is actually going to bear fruit or not, because we've seen in the trailer that he's cruising around with R5 later, right? right. That they that they retrofit the, the droid socket on the ship to get R5 in there. Yeah. So um, I, like like th- that kind of says to me that at some point like that, that that's going to be which I love. I love that for R5 for he's, he's finally going to get to go on his adventure. Can't wait. I am you know? so excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But um, I mean, like both things could be true. IG-11 could come back and R5 gets to go on an adventure, in which case 
uh, everybody wins. Everybody wins. It's all good. Um, but uh, he's going to have to go find this piece. That's basically what it comes down to, right? Um, and and in amongst that, we get a great moment of Grogu grabbing these little guys that are smaller than him, and he's just giving them a hug. I saw somebody online be like, was he going to eat that guy? I was like, no, I think he just, he doesn't no, understand that did, they're... Din straight up says, no, he's not a pet. Leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just like a kid with a puppy. You know, like yeah, kid exactly. too young to understand. I'm hurting the puppy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I love that he goes to do it again. He's like, stop it. <laughs> um, I also listen again. This is the tone of the show. This is what this show is. The bit with grief and and the Anzelian and like at first Din's like I don't understand. Do you speak Hadith? Like can you? And then grief starts translating stuff that doesn't need to be translated. Yeah. And it's one of those jokes that's like it's funny the first time, less funny the second time, yeah. not funny the third time, hilarious the fourth time. <laughs> right? Like it's one of those ones where it's like you like I knew it going into it that they were like this is one of those ones that we're gonna it, it, we're gonna circle around. Just stay with it. Just stay with it. And on the last one, it's like Din kind of like looks over at him. I'm just like, there it is. There it is. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> comedy. Um, and yeah, that that is a again, that is a Batman 66 joke, you guys. That is a Star Trek the original series piece of humor. I is and it works perfectly. I love it. Um so yeah, that happens, and then they're like, okay, let's go. Uh, and you assume that, like, I don't know, like, Din is going off to find this piece. Uh, but in any case, he's going to get waylaid a little bit because he's going to have to have a wicked dog fight with some pirates. And what's the purpose of this scene? Uh, I think to establish this, uh, I, I, what was his name again? Dorian something? I don't know, but uh, he's a talking salad person, and I love yeah, it. Yeah, the talking yeah. salad person gained so much respect in the world of piracy that he became the pirate king. I'm yeah. here for it. Gorian Shard is the character. I, I, yeah. So uh, Gor Gorian Shard, I uh, needs to uh, uh, be established as a bad guy. I think. I think that's all it is. Um, I think we've seen what the the fallout from this is going to be we've seen the scenes in the trailers of navarro being attacked yeah. um and i think what's going to happen din's going off and i think he's going to go you know uh at some point he's going to get death watch uh the or i mean i don't know if they're death watch or if they're the night owls right because it's bo katan's contingent so I, I i lean more towards referring to them as night owls but um did they call themselves death watch in the previous seasons and last season, I don't think they did. Right. I don't we never really remember. get an, and they don't, they don't have the name. Yeah. They don't have the, the symbol. Cause the death watch symbol is that is the three stripes, right? right. Like the claw marks. Yeah. And they all have the night owls. So, uh, yeah. So I think that they're, that they're meant to be the night owls. So I think like, like Din is going to go find them and the, the, um, there's the scenes with like the gunship, right. With the, yeah. the Mandalorian gunship. So I, uh, and bring them back to Navarro and fight the pirates. I think, I think we're going to see that um, at some point uh, uh, in the season. So I think that's all that, that is we're just establishing that these guys are going to be an ongoing menace 
on Navarro um, and a threat to its status as a as a free world, right? I saw a um, few people complaining that it wasn't Honda. I was like, this guy's gonna die for sure. I don't want yeah, it to be Honda. No, 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 no. Yeah, this uh, no, like like when 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 it was established that pirates were gonna be a thing, and then the second that they said that they were for Gory and Shard, I was like, okay, so these guys are all expendable then. Yeah. Right? Like these these guys are bad guys. This isn't like a oh, we gotta figure out how to work this out. These guys are a threat that needs to be handled. Um, which is how that plays out, right? So then the the pirate from earlier comes back leading a squadron of of pirate starfighters and uh and Din just uh he just houses these guys. They may he maybe accidentally kills a bunch of miners on one of the asteroids, which Grief was talking about earlier. <laughs> because they do a ship does collide with a structure on one of the asteroids, but I thought that was really cool to then see like the mining happening on the asteroid. Mm. Um, I hope everybody's all right. Uh, uh, hopefully that was an abandoned mine, but if in any case, it's not Din's fault, it's the pirates fault. Pirates are the bad guys. Uh, and then the pirates have, uh, a stolen, what appears to be a stolen Imperial warship, right? Like that, that was the vibe you got. Yeah. That's sure. an Imperial ship, right? Yeah. I can't, can't remember. Like it, that's an EU like type cruiser that I've seen. Yeah, isn't that isn't called. that like the Sun Crusher? Isn't that what the Sun Crusher looks like? Let's find out. There's like a micro machine of it, right? Um, Sun Crusher. No. Yeah, we're both we're both uh, like uh, you're you're. It's the same like EU era. Yeah, as this because I remember both of both of those ships were in. Wait, here we go. No, the Sun Crusher is like a weird, like uh, conical thing, but it is uh, oh. gravestone. Gravestone. Is that what it is? That's what it looks like. Hold on, let me. Gravestone. Okay. Oh, that doesn't look right either. What is this? What? Is... It's an Eclipse Star Destroyer. Okay, that's okay. Because I'm looking at it... an image, but the the title of the page is yeah. The Eclipse class dreadnought, also known yeah. as the Eclipse class super star destroyer, was a class of Imperial star destroyer manufactured. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, what's it come from? What's it? What's it? Is it from one of the video games? Because this this image looks like it's from a video game. I don't think so. Uh, it's from one of the books, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's EU, and then someone along the lines made some art of it. I don't remember it being in like. Oh, Rome's is it from Dark game. Empire? I think maybe it's from Dark maybe. Empire. I mean, I'm not seeing any Dark Empire art of it, though. I feel like that would be the way the 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 oh, Wikipedia entry yeah, has an image that yeah, looks okay. like it. Yeah, that's um, that's yeah, that's the art style for Dark Empire. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is first appearance is Dark Empire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it's from. So that that's what that thing is. A hundred percent. That's what that is because it's got that that um yeah that nose the way that it's got like that that uh, that like wedge shape on the front of the 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 wedge uh did i say a wedge shape on front of the wedge you know what i mean yeah it's got that like dip thing the hockey stick uh on the on the front of the uh the star destroyer it that's a hundred percent uh an eclipse class dreadnought so there we go uh we solved it hey we did like one of those deep dive things take that star wars explained i'll bet you anything if i bring up youtube right now star wars explained has already done like a five minute video just on that ship (laughs) and like and knew all of this stuff didn't have to look at wikipedia this this looks smaller than that 
Um, it's not, yeah, it's not a super star destroyer, but it's definitely designed after this same shape, right? It's um, very similar. Yeah. Uh, so go to Star Wars Explained because I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, it uh, that they're gonna have like a breakdown of exactly which ship this is and how we're wrong that it's not an eclipse. It's a this is actually a smaller version of the eclipse. Uh, I, I don't know what's a what's half an eclipse. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I, it's a waxing crescent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we the same joke, same time. I anyways, I wicked awesome. Like this was to me, this was so much fun seeing that that ship. Um, I love how it's got like all the the uh, ball gunners from like a bunch. It looks like it looks like they stole a bunch of rebellion or not rebellion of imperial stuff and maybe some republic stuff and uh, and they just they they made a, a pirate warship, which is a great call back forward to. Um, uh, to the pirates in Star Wars Resistance, who like use a bunch of stolen Imperial and Rebel tech, and they just like they make uglies. Like that's that their starships are all uglies, right? Uh, which is uh, when you mash two different starfighters together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I feel like this was sort of like I I don't know. I hope that this was meant to be a reference to Resistance in some way. That like this is how pirates in Star Wars do it. They they get a bunch of ships and they just put them together because those even, gunners look like they are taken from Republic gunships. Right. Even, uh, the pirates in uh, the duel, uh, Star Wars visions. Yeah. Yeah. Same, like they just had all that stuff kind of retrofitted together. They had like a bunch of like stormtrooper armor and, and yeah, totally. You know, totally. Yeah. So I, I love that aesthetic. I mean, like these guys were like, they look like they were straight out of pirates of the Caribbean with some star Wars gear on them. Um, and then, and then, yeah, their ship is, what a great ship. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to Gorian being, a, a, a threat throughout the season. Um, yeah, Gorian shard. What a great name, man. <laughs> listen, I know that like Mando has gotten a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of grief, man. I can't, it's getting late. Uh, it's late for me. I, it's, I can't imagine how you feel right now, Joe, but um, yeah, I'm I, going to bed as soon as we're done. Yeah. I, I, in any case, there's been a lot of hubbub on the internet about how none of the characters in Mando have names. Grief Karga has a name. Cara Dune has a name. Like a lot, a lot of characters actually have names. That's fine. Gorian Shard is one of the best star Wars names ever, <laughs> especially who, because he's a walking salad. Who doesn't I, have a name other than the armorer? Everyone else uh, had a name. Din didn't have a name for the majority of the first season. Grogu didn't have a name for all for the first season. Yeah, no, I know. Like, I, I, I look. It's not a criticism that I have. It's a criticism that other people have. Um, Frog Lady is just Frog Lady. She never got a name, right? (laughs) True. Um, but Gorian Shard, he looks like a walking salad, and I, I, I. isn't it like Swiss shard or whatever? It's spelled C H A R D. This is spelled S H A R D. But like, isn't that a type of lettuce? That's a type of lettuce, right? It is now. I, I, anyways, I, yeah, I love it. He looks like swamp thing. Uh, he's pirate swamp thing in star Wars. And I don't know. I, I think, I think everybody should give John Favreau a high five right now for that because it's pretty great. I, and like a practical, 
effect, right? Like a like an animatronic. Yeah, he looked like suit. it. He looked great. Like like what a great looking character. Um, and this is this is this is where um this is where I'm gonna like say that people need to to exercise the same sort of forgiveness that they give a practical effect like this, like for some of the other stuff in this series, like, like that's all the same tone. They can do this in this one and they're not going to do it in Andor because it's going to take us out of it in Andor. Right. Mm -hmm. But in Mando, we see Kowaki and monkey lizards and they're all practical effects. They're not computer animated. Right. And there's a great moment, a great little bit of business that one of the monkey lizards does where it like scratches its belly. And it's like, and it's stilted and it looks like a puppet and I don't care because salacious crumb was a puppet. So that's consistent. And could they have been CG? Could we do them in CG and they'd look even better? Of course we can. Of course we can. We just had this CG crocodile and it was amazing looking like so good. And let's go back to the crate dragon. The crate dragon is one of the best visual effects that's ever been done. That thing is incredible, but also also, IG-11 moves like a puppet, right? And Gorian Shard looks like a dude in an animatronic suit. And it's cheesy and his lip sync is off. And I don't care. I don't care. The Riddler, his his question marks were drawn onto his outfit with a Sharpie. <laughs> like, like, if yep. you see it, at, I think it's at like one of the, I think it's at the sci-fi and pop culture museum in seattle or something like that but um if you get up close to it to the to the suit from the 66 show you can see that it's just been like drawn on with a sharpie but on the show flawless it looked perfect looked exactly (laughs) the way they needed it you just you do what you gotta do to tell the story that you're trying to tell and and i i think that we should just allow for that magic to happen we got the great CG alongside these awesome animatronic effects and puppets and stuff. And it's all, you know, sometimes it's physical ships in these scenes and sometimes they're CG. Like let it, let it be, let it be what it's going to be and just tell a cool story. And that's all that matters. Um, Dumb and fun. Yeah. Dumb and fun. Great scene. Let's wrap it up. Let's, let's wrap it up. Hold on. I got one little character moment that I have to point out because it was something that, I didn't catch my first viewing. I caught it on the second viewing, and I loved it. So, you remember in uh, season two, episode one, uh, Mando walks into that like little fighting MMA place uh, with the Gamorreans fighting each other, and uh, yeah. Grogu's with them and everything. Just before you know, stuff goes down and the fight starts. Grogu jumps out, hits the button on the front of his little uh, what is it called that he floats in? His pram. His bad pram. Okay, I was gonna say his bassinet. Yeah. His uh, his pram closes the thing because he he has this. We realize he has this anticipation that he knows how Din is gonna react and how things are gonna go from there. I don't know if you noticed this because this was another blink and you miss it moment. So he's sitting in Din's lap in the cockpit before the uh, the space battle starts. Just before. Din starts to take like evasive maneuvers. Grogu slides himself between the bandolier and Mando's chest. Yeah. And the yeah, bandolier is his little seatbelt. Yeah. And I, because he knew, okay, this is going to happen right now. Time to, yeah. time to hold on. I 
love that. What yeah. a little quick moment, and it's it's just building on that same thing. Like, oh yeah, he he knows it's that same synchronicity that the Bad Batch has. Grogu has with Mando. I love yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, these are two years. <laughs> <laughs> two years. It's before four. It, like so. So in total, it's been about four, maybe a little bit over four years since the mm-hmm. beginning of the series. Like that's sort of if we take what John Favreau has said recently to to heart, like that's kind of where we're at right now. Is that like sort of the four year part, uh, four year point, which actually makes a lot of sense because we actually we actually do this is. Although it's season three of Mandalorian, it's the fourth season of this story because Book of Boba Fett right. is part of the story. So, like, I feel like that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, these guys, these two have been around. Like, they have been together for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another thing that I want to point out, and 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 it kind of plays into this because I think we kind of really get to see this in this next scene when they get to, to Kalevala. Uh, and Bo-Katan to her castle. Grogu is in his little pod, right? Mm-hmm. In his pram. He's got a new one. It's a brand new one, and it's it's darker in color. It's got it's it's got some differences to it, right? It's not. It doesn't have the little hood on the back, does it? Like it's sort of just flat. I mean, it's more it, of a seat. It, it it when it's open, it's it's not there. Yeah, like that. that yeah, it goes it goes all the way there. down. Yeah, it's just open. Yeah. Um. And I read it as like, like in the past that that thing was connected to like Din could control it with his gauntlet. Right. Like like mm-hmm. we saw that sign and and, and um, he would he would push the button to close the thing. And then in season two, we see that Grogu knows where the button is. He pushes it and hides in the thing. Mm-hmm. This new one has some buttons on like it ha- the console is actually facing inward to Grogu. Oh, really? Yeah. It's actually like it's So this is like his little thing. So there was a little bit of like a contra, not controversy. There was a little bit of a thing with, between like a, a few of us online of like, this is regressive. Like, like Grogu is not a baby anymore. Right. He went and trained with Luke. He should be progressing, not regressing, going back into his egg. Right. But I looked at this thing now and I'm like, oh, no, that's Grogu's little hover chair. The same as Yoda, had, which it was what I've sort of been saying to a few people is like, like Yoda has the hover chair in Attack of the Clones. Why not just give Grogu a hover chair? Mm. Right. Like like what Yoda had in Attack of the Clones serves the same purpose. We need Yoda to like keep up with everybody while they walk down the corridors because the prequels are 90 percent people walking down corridors. So we got to have a solution for Yoda to keep up. So that Ewan McGregor doesn't have to walk at a snail's pace all the time. I. Uh, so why not give Grogu a similar hover chair? They did. That's what it is. It's just like the iconography of his pod of the egg is part of the show. So they gave him a new one that calls back to that, but that is actually like it has actually evolved. It is a new thing, and it's a thing that like like he's he like pushes a button and it moves forward. Like I, like I, I, I don't remember exactly what moment that was, if it was on Navarro or if it was on Kalevala, but at some point in the episode, I clocked that, that like, it's got, he's got little buttons that he can push. So it's like, that's his little thing. It's not, Din's not like, like it's not on a leash, right? Like he's not pushing a stroller or whatever, a space stroller. It's, 
just like Grogu just has like a little thing so that he doesn't have to like scurry next to Din all the time or ride in his uh uh his satchel right but that like he's he can he's 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 he is master of his own domain he is king <laughs> of his castle uh, yeah i'm looking at a shot uh on navarro of a close-up and he has his hand on, on yeah that like and yeah you're right there is absolutely like some it's got little red buttons on it I yeah think, right yeah 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 um, so so me my my fears of that being like a regressive thing and i had kind of actually read in the trailer when we saw him in that that like and people were like oh he's back in his pod why is he back in his pod i was like uh i read that scene as like he's a little badass and he's fighting that monster thing like yeah, whatever that I, thing is and it's just him he comes out yeah. of the cave and it's he's just by himself yeah by himself right it's just like this is just how this is just how grogu chooses to hover roll right it's just his deal um so let's let's really quickly talk about Bo. we've talked about this a little bit she she immediately is kind of like you still got the dark saber and he's like yeah i've still got the dark saber nobody took it from me no one's defeated me in combat oh i guess it's a legitimate question because paz tried <laughs> it was like yeah. i challenge you sure, and yeah. din was like i don't care i win um you're okay. I don't kick you off this thing and kill you. I, I, man, what an intense fight that was. So good. I, but Bo is like, okay, so I guess you're still the Mandalore. She's kind of, she's got such like eye rolling energy the entire <laughs> time. She's just like, like lounging in her throne, and she's like, all my people left me. They're gone. Uh, you're not gonna find any help here, Mandalorian. <laughs> is basically the tone of it. Uh, but go find them somewhere. They're off being mercenaries. And if you go wave that thing in front of them, they'll follow you anywhere. Which is a great setup because obviously that's what's going to happen. But <laughs> uh, yeah, she basically is like, I love this. I love this felt like actually a dig at the fans a little bit of like, she says something about like, whatever, go to Mandalore. Uh, do you like, like, go ahead. It's, you're not going to find, it's not magic. You're not going to find what you're looking for. And then he's like, he, she says something and his response is like, look, is it cursed or isn't it like make up your mind? Like, like he calls her out on it. And I feel like that's a little bit of like, like John Favreau being like, it's not as important as you guys need it to be. Like not every line of dialogue is like, you know, uh, let's go write a, a novel about it. Uh, and it's like, just relax, like chill out a little bit. Um, Cause she kind of is like, listen, it's a, like, like there's nothing there. It's, it's like, so it's, it's not, no, it's not cursed, but like, why are you going to bother? Cause she's kind of like telling him, this is dumb. Don't do it. Um, and he's like, I don't understand if it's, if it's not a problem, then what do you care? Like, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go wash myself in the magic water. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, go for it, bud. <laughs> she's so dismissive. So much sass. Good job, Katie Sackoff. Killing it with the sass. Obi-Wan levels of sass. Maybe even, like, look, listen, exceeding the Obi-Wan levels of sass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, that's basically all I have to say about that. Obviously, Bo-Katan will be back later this season. and it's not the last that we're going to see ever. But. I was, I'm very surprised 
that she kind of just not not that she gave up. I'm surprised she never challenged Din because like the contempt in her voice that yeah she, he still has the dark saber and like I don't I don't know like I, I it's certainly not a criticism because I'm just I'm wondering what the thought behind that is because she made it very clear that that's all she cared about was getting yeah. that dark like I will help you but leave Gideon alone because I want that dark saber so I find it odd that, you know, all that time has passed. I mean, maybe she did. I, and we didn't see it. I don't know. But I just think it's weird that she's just like, oh, well, he, he got it. So, uh, you know, that's it. I'm going to leave I alone. Think, and now all, yeah. all my forces are going to leave me. Oh, well. Like, it just seems why it, it was something that was so important to yeah. her that she just, eh. It's fine. I have several responses to this i think i think first off she was much more confident that she could defeat gideon than she can defeat din i i think that she was like i'll take gideon any day of the week right but i think that din is a little bit more of a threat to her um i think the other part of it is that din freely offered the dark saber so she knows that there's no way that she can trust. She already got the dark saber once by right. in, like, in uh, yeah. Yeah. In, in like, like uh compromised means. Right. So yeah. she's like, there's no way that she can challenge him and know that he isn't going to throw the fight and just give her the dark saber. Yeah. Right. In which case she'll just be in the same position that she was before. And nobody's mm-hmm. going to respect that. It's like, well, didn't he offer it to you? Like, like it'll it'll be kind of like a yeah it's like she has to win it in combat and she can't fight din for it it's just not it's it's not a challenge that makes sense because he's not gonna fight her in the way that he's gonna fight right he'd just be like here take it um i yield and at which point it's like well then i didn't win it in combat you yielded right um so i think there's that i think there's also an element that we got to see in this episode, she does not want to lead. She actually, her heart actually isn't in it. Um, In the same way that like, she obviously left her family and went with pre because she didn't vibe with leadership back then either. Right. Like there was a responsibility as, as a, a crease right that she would be a leader one day and uh she fell short of that and i think that she doubts herself and whether or not she can um i think it's a really great position for her to be in to be one of the knights of the mandalorian round table right mm-hmm. like that which is what like i again <laughs> truly believe that that's what we're driving at you've is, been preaching this for years yeah, now yeah, that like that's the whole point, and that's why I keep going back to Din being King Arthur. Um, the fact that he has slayed two dragons—not that I don't know that King Arthur ever really slays any dragons. I think some of the other knights slay dragons, but I don't think that Arthur ever does. But he's got—he holds Excalibur, right? Like he is. And the reason why King Arthur is a good leader is because he doesn't believe himself to necessarily be. A leader. It's like there are other people who seek power, 
uh, and there are people who have power thrust upon them, right? Like, like that's sort of the saying. And and Arthur in those legends is a person who, like, the Lady of the Lake appears and throws the sword at him, and that's why he's like she set, tells him that he's worthy. He doesn't tell others that he's worthy. He pulls the sword from the stone uh, when when others can't, right? Because the other people are seeking power, and he is just good. Right. And I think that Din is the same. I felt like Din, Din wasn't seeking the Darksaber. The Darksaber found him. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like Grogu. And uh, everybody else recognizes that Din is a hero. I think I think if you went back to the Believer and you kind of look at that episode with that um, with that lens and you look at the way that everybody talks to Din and the fact that like. Boba recognizes it immediately. Like once Boba realizes that they're not adversaries, he turns around and he's like, okay, I'm not going to leave. Like, I'm going to help you. We're going to sort this out. We're going to get the the kid back. Right. Like he, he, like Boba Fett who like previously to this, and now we know everything that he went through up until that point. So we went through a major character growth as well, but like Boba Fett, who is very adversarial, to everyone he met up until this point, especially if we look at him in the Clone Wars, the Daniel Logan Boba, yeah. uh, he's just an impetuous, obnoxious twerp. I, uh, because uh, he's written that way. That's what he's supposed to be. And even he looks at Din and he goes, "Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll swear fealty to you until until this job is done. Like I'm gonna give you my word that like I'm I'm in your debt until I get that kid back." Uh, cause I said that I said that I'd help you rescue him no matter what. So, I uh, Boba Fett's willing to follow him to hell and back. I, uh, for better or worse, Cara Dune is willing to follow him. Grief will do anything for Din and Grogu, right? Like everywhere he goes, like he, he finds these allies that will literally put their lives on the line for him because they all recognize something in him that he doesn't recognize in himself. And I think that Bo also recognizes that. I think she also sees it. She hates it. She absolutely hates it. And so every opportunity she gets, she tries to cut him down to like, you know, that the children of the watch are a bunch of idiots. And he's like, well, it's my religion. Sorry. It's the way I was raised. It means something to me. And she's like, well, that's dumb. I think you're dumb. (laughs) <laughs> and like, it's like, I think that you're a little bit like, like the lady doth protest too much. Yeah. A little like she's like, nobody else goes after him for this, but she really does. Um, and it's because she's, she's upset that he actually is worthy. Right. So um, that's my read on it. That's my read on it. No, and, that's, and that's I, solid. That works. It, I think it's good because I think that when, by the time this all shakes out and we have our council of Mandalore, We've got Mando sitting at the top of it. And I don't think that Mandalore will actually be the seat of the new Mandalore. I think that Navarro is being set up as, as the new homeworld of Mandalore. Um, but, uh, and that's why the first order is not going to mess with it. But uh, I, when they do that, when they set up their castle on Mandal on Navarro, I, it, like that that you'll have din as the leader but that like only because like he constantly goes to others for counsel he always listens right he's 
he never thinks he has the answer. He's always he's constantly seeking them out, right? So it'll be mm-hmm. him, the armorer, Bo-Katan, Boba Fett. I uh, if if it were up to me, if I were making Star Wars, I know I said earlier that I'm not, but if I were, Omega, I uh, and uh, and and I don't know, maybe a couple of other, maybe maybe I, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sabine as well. Um, uh, but and but like bring all the Mandalorians together uh, with basically all of our named characters, all of our hero. <laughs> the armor doesn't have a name. But you, you think know Boba I mean. would leave Tatooine? No, I don't. I don't think that that'll be necessary, right? Like, I, I think know. that, but but I think also that there might be an opportunity of like Boba is trying to do something on Tatooine. And I think that maybe if he comes to Navarro, he'll look at it and go, Oh, this is what I'm trying to do. Mm. And, and maybe there'll be a moment where he recognizes, although like, I think because of the, the, his relationship with the Tuscans, he's got a little bit of a claim. Yeah. Even though he's not a true Tuscan, he is a, an adopted Tuscan and therefore sure. has a claim to Tatooine as, as a, a homeworld. But like, I could see it where it's like, he's part of that council, like, and the Mandalorians, like, I don't necessarily think that everybody will stay on Navarro. Mm. I just think that like, that will sort of be like the seat of their seat of power. Okay. Um, but that the Mandalorians will be out in the galaxy. Honestly, in my opinion, I think that by the end of it, the, the, the Mandalorians are going to fill the niche that the Jedi have left behind. Right. That's kind of how I see it. And that then eventually the Jedi and the Mandalorians come together under one banner as like, we want the same thing. We, 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 we want peace. We want justice. We want, you know, like, uh, I, we are, we, we have the same aim, which is not to be cops, but to be like sort of exemplars of, of, of what, you know, what goodness can be and uh, like, but cross us and you'll, you'll pay for it. Right. Like um, sort of having that attitude of like, of, you know, like it's a, I, I go back to, to the analogy of the hammer, right. A hammer can build and a hammer can destroy. I feel like the Mandalorians are the same thing. Right. And the fact that the armorer is building armor with a hammer, like it, I feel like that that's a good analogy for their culture is like they can, it can be one of two things. And I think that like Satine saw it one way and pre saw it another, but the, the proper path is actually somewhere in the middle of like, they need to be warriors, but warriors for peace, which is a, a, they're, they're opposing ideas, but sometimes that's sometimes, sometimes holding two opposing ideas at the same time is the closest we get to truth. Uh, is that's sort of the yin yang balance of it, and I think a Jedi would understand that. I think that Grogu understands that, which is one of the, the Grogu is another. Like I think Grogu is the heir to Tarvisla, the spiritual heir to Tarvisla, as both a Jedi and a Mandalorian, and so he's a seat on that council as well, right? Representing the connection to the Jedi. Hmm. So that's the way I see it. We have been talking for two hours and 21 minutes. That is what the recording says. That was not the intention this evening. That is what happened. Mandalorian is back. 
and it's good yep and it was fantastic thank you joe for indulging me so much in this conversation always i yeah i'm happy i'm excited i i the i the i have found immense joy in this episode of the mandalorian and go bounce over to rebel cells and listen to that episode of us talking about uh metamorphosis uh on bad batch uh because like both these two episodes have brought me so much joy in this last 24 hours i uh, and that's what it's about that's what i'm here for that's why i'm a star wars fan so uh, I hope that other people can share in that. I, I, if maybe, maybe, it, maybe it didn't resonate as much. Hopefully, the stuff that we've talked about will will fix that a little. You know, let me uh, put a band aid on that ouchie, and <laughs> uh, I, and then, and then we'll just wait for next week and see what happens. By all accounts, everybody who got to see the first two episodes of the premiere is like, second episode is pretty good too. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for more Bad Batch. Uh, I'm excited for Carl's new podcast, The Bat and the Cat. Go listen to that. I'm excited for... I don't actually know what the next episode of Perfect 10 is, but uh, whatever I do over there is always a good time. We just released an episode, uh, Roman Holiday, which is an old movie from the 50s uh, that Missy brought to to that one, uh, talking a lot about romantic comedy and uh, fairy tales. All that sort of thing. It's a fantastic episode, and Roman Holiday is a great movie. What a good movie! Uh, and so, yeah, Perfect Ten is always fun because it's just me talking to one of my friends about something that they love, and like that's I don't know. That's the whole. That's what this whole podcasting thing's supposed to be about. So, I I promise next week we will keep the the ranting and the diatribes to a minimum and we'll we'll stay focused more on the episode but i just thought like with the premiere and with sort of the the conversation there was a lot of things that i felt like i needed to say um to my specific corner of the internet um so i hope that uh, i hope everybody enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed it joe cuz you've been sitting here you got to listen to this podcast while you're on it sometimes <laughs> i always have a good time and and I'm not just saying that because I'm speaking to you. It's it's yeah. you you always give me a lot of I mean you're obviously your your like your your analysis is always so in-depth and like pinpoint laser focused. You always give me a lot to think about, which is what I really appreciate. And it's cool that not only do you do that, I'm lucky enough that I get to actually when I have a thought instead of just listening to the podcast, I can actually interact with you about it and, and bounce <laughs> yeah. stuff off of you. So it's cool for me. It's a very unique, like cool thing. Let me be honest and vulnerable for a second. Then we'll close out the episode. I, I, I have not been feeling it on rebel cells this season up until like kind of this last couple of weeks um, with, uh, with the, the, the tech episode. I had a lot to say on that one last week, not as much, but it was still a good one. Uh, but then this week it was like, come on, like, let's talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I like this, um, this episode of Mando, I feel like it was like, oh, okay. There's my, like my, uh, my, my source of power. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I think I, when I was tweeting earlier, I, I had referred to it as like this, this part of star Wars is like, it's what, it's what lights the fire inside of me is like this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I see other people dogging on it, like it, it makes me grumpy because it's like they're trying to you know 
throw water on that flame. And it's like, but it doesn't matter. This episode was so good for me specifically. I don't, I don't want to claim that it's good objectively or for anybody else, but for me specifically, it's like the arc reactor in my Iron Man chest that mm-hmm. is like keeping me alive right now. Um, to just mix a whole bunch of metaphors and franchises, but I don't care because I feel like that is very apt. It's like, like I, you know, you know, I, I, in Iron Man two, when he, when he fixes the arc reactor and he puts the, the new core in it and it like powers up and he's like, Oh, mm, oh yeah. And he's like, like, that's the stuff. This episode felt like that for me, like from the get go when it's like, she's building the helmet and I'm like, are we getting Din's backstory? And then, and then the, the crocodile comes out and I'm like, is this another dragon? And then Din shows up in the N one and blows it up. And I'm like, stop, this is too much. And then John Favreau, like, like as a force ghost appeared next to me and went, I'm not even started. And then I looked at the screen and there were Purgle and I was just like, all right, I guess I guess this one's for me. Thanks, John. <laughs> this one was specifically for me. Because um, yeah, the first ten minutes of this episode were just like some of my favorite Star Wars of the last year. So uh, I didn't read too many of the impressions of the people that went to the premiere, but I did notice a few of them said, "Yeah, the first episode's like a little bit slow, but the second one is like really good." And I'm sitting there watching this episode, thinking to myself, "This episode is slow." Yeah what is happening next week? Yeah. The one where he fights a crocodile turtle dragon dinosaur, uh, and then has a wicked dog fight in an asteroid field. <laughs> Slow. <laughs> and a, and a old West shootout with some pirates. Slow. It's a slow episode. You guys come on, come on. Okay. What do people want? You know, like, what do they expect? You know, I don't, well, I don't think it was a criticism. I think they, no, were no, just, I know. I, I think the sentiment that a lot of them were saying were like, well, the second know, episode people, cranks it even further. Right. Right. That's, yeah. you know, people, we have to reintroduce the characters, what they're up to. Yeah, 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 Some yeah. people might not have seen book of Boba Fett, blah, 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 blah. So like, I get it. But like, I, I definitely would not categorize this episode as slow. Well then, boy howdy am i excited for for this time next week yeah man uh and and the next episode we don't the thing the great thing about the mando episodes is that we don't know the titles until they air uh i love that about it like with with bad batch it's like whoa the next one's the outpost i wonder what (laughs) they told us everything like a month and a half in it yeah yeah all right um but with mando it's like i love the reveal every every week of the like Da-dum, and there's the title and you're just like okay cool the believer i wonder what this one's gonna be uh the apostate it's always it's always yeah it's great i'm happy it's back i'm happy to be back uh even though last year i said i was never gonna do this again <laughs> and i'm not gonna but you knew yeah i'm not gonna let uh i'm not gonna let it get to me i'm not gonna let people get me down i if and listen when the show falls short which it will at some point this season i'm gonna be the first one to be like mm, this one didn't do it for me but i uh, but as long as it's delivering on this level i'm gonna be happy so it, rick is directing three episodes so i know that at least three are gonna be good i think bryce dallas howard is coming back for at least oh, one cool. so like her That's episodes cool. are some of my favorites as well i so we're gonna be good we're good we're fine we're all fine here now. How are you? I uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joe, for hanging out. 
go get some sleep. I need yeah. to get some sleep. You Good definitely idea. need to go get some sleep. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we'll be back next week for chapter 18. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.